I have no gift to bing. The world is getting crazier. People are acting more and more insane. The end of the world is tomorrow. 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 There's only one thing to do when the world is falling apart. Listen to Basil and Gons as they discuss this week's news and events through the lens of Bible prophecy. You are listening to Canary Cry News Talk. You're listening to Canary Cry News Talk. Today is September 23rd, 2020. This is episode 246. And today, Belly Feel. And you know me because I am your best buddy, Basil. And this is Gons. Welcome to the podcast where we love Jesus. We love you. And once again, very hard to do, but we love our <laughs> learning to love ourselves and then also. More extremely difficult learning to love our enemies. Oh, wow. Really, that that tagline just keeps getting catchier and catchier, Guns. Oh, I feel like it just sums up our uh, our worldview before we get into <laughs> all the stuff because, you know, people sometimes don't realize where we're coming from and we just want to yeah. put it right at the top so people understand, okay. especially new okay. listeners. So, yeah. uh, you know, people that are turned off by the whole Jesus thing, they'll just turn it off now. Uh, or, <laughs> or you know, if uh, if you're into it, or you want to hear some unique perspectives from some Jesus freaks like us, then uh, stick around because we got views that don't support the right left paradigm. We got views that shatter your perception of reality, all that kind of fun stuff. Wow! Yeah, impactful. I know. Watch out, folks. Hold on tight to those views of reality. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back. What is it today? Oh, it's Wednesday. Wednesday, yep. Wednesday. Okay. The time warp continues. Um, let me think. Any news on my side? I don't think so. Not much has changed over the past couple of days. It's been a laid back week so far. How about for you? Uh, not much going on. Oh, we have the... Uh here the watchman conference in a couple days here i think igniting oh, the fire yeah. virtual conference uh shimura 20 if you want to get a little discount and uh we're all also the uh, here the watchman orange county november 5th through the 8th at the hilton irvine and uh that one will i'm gonna try to make it again that's probably when baby is born so we we will see if i will actually make it but i am on the the uh, the list of people that are supposed to speak there. So you anyone, may have a son by then. Uh, yeah, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Very Lord exciting. Willing, Lord willing. And uh, other updates. I uh, got into a Twitter debate with Joel Richardson, who's like this pretty oh, famous, nice. uh, yeah, Bible author. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to get into it here. But it was just kind of fun, you know. I'm I I, I like having discussions uh, about some of the topics that we got into, but you know, it's always it's always a little interesting how you get the attention of some, you know, big time author <laughs> and uh, you go, go back and forth a little bit. Um, so there you go. If you, anyone wants to find it, you can go on my Twitter and, and dig around. You can find the feed there. But uh, no, I didn't smash him existentially yours in the chat. I did not smash Joel Richardson. Uh, I'll leave that to Chris White who did smash him in a debate recently. I thought, I thought anyway, anyway, I didn't catch that. 
Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Well, good. Gon's getting into Twitter fights. I'm not getting into <laughs> Twitter fights. You know, one thing I did love on Twitter. So you heard the other day Joe Biden saying that 200 million people uh, have died of coronavirus. I know. So accurate. And people started ripping them apart. And uh, I, f- I follow Joe on Twitter. I just like to keep up with what his team is trying to. The damage control is what it is. It's all damage control. Yeah. And after the 250 million people dying of coronavirus, COVID comment. Um, the next like five tweets uh, all included the number 200,000, 200K. It's wow. like they're trying to convince everybody that he really does know the difference between 200 million and 200,000. You know what it is? It's, uh, it's a way to bury that that post yeah, with the algos. That's exactly right. Yeah. It was just like five tweets in a row like, Oh, 200,000 is a lot of people. Oh, Trump bad because 200,000. I know what 200. And one of them was just a a photo. He just tweeted a photo of the number 200K. (laughs) Like with nothing else on it. Like, okay, Joe, we get it. You know what 200,000 is. I don't know, man. Some yeah, of these people, so it's a blast. Either, either that or that he just, they have a really, really creative marketing team over there in the Biden camp mm-hmm. and they just know how to get people's attention. Good no, or bad. It's not creative. They're making up. It's damage control. <laughs> it's all damage control. Um, speaking of damage control, uh, we get, oh man, the social dilemma on Netflix. Have you seen it yet, Gons? No. You still have so, Netflix, you heathen. <laughs> you, you evil person. Uh, that's a good point. You caught yeah. me. Um, I, I did watch it, which, you know, is weird. It's a weird little uh, twist of fate that, you know, of course, everybody was deleting their Netflix. And then right after that, The Social Dilemma came out. Um, and for those who don't know, first of all, we are getting emails and messages and chats and everybody wanted us to watch this thing. And I was kind of resisting because I was like, eh. I mean, I, I know it all. We've been reporting on it <laughs> I for, know these things. Years, I don't for need, 10 years. Yeah. I'm like, they can't have anything new in there that I don't know. Um, but anyways, I finally checked it out. I did watch it. And I was correct. No, absolutely no new information <laughs> about uh, the, the dangers of social media. Um, but, you know, it was presented in a good way. And what was most frustrating for me was, you know, a lot of the normies in my life, um, I've been, you know, I'll get into these rants and discussions with them about like, no, you don't understand. Social media is ruining the world. Advertising is ruining the world there. And it's not just like they're tracking you. And it's, you know, it's not just about your likes and stuff. Right. They literally time as, you know, the, the, the seconds that you look at a picture and it all goes in it. You know, I've done the whole thing and, you know, they're all like, okay, whatever you say, Baz. And then uh, since this film came out, The Social Dilemma, they're all being like, oh, my God, have you seen this? You got to watch this. <laughs> like, this is exactly what I've been telling you for years. But Come I'm glad people are. Just yeah, send exactly. them that. I know. I know. Or I tried to um, tell you, which is the other good one. You know, it's more in your face. It's driving me nuts. But I'm glad that uh, it's getting out there. And it's in a it's, it's one of those things where it's like whatever you say basil i'll believe it when netflix tells me yeah it's basically the part the of the side learned but yeah, they'll only really believe is. it to a certain degree you know you got to look at who's behind the the film too and what their yeah. propaganda well, luckily is. i got a few of them to delete their facebook which is Ooh. you know 
wasn't my point, but they were scared <laughs> enough to do that. And I'll talk a little bit more about that because one of the big evil uh, villains of the social dilemma was advertising. And I'm sitting there listening to it being like, oh my gosh, this is exactly, again, what I'm talking about when I talk about our value for value model. Yeah. It's because advertising is mind control and it's just pure evil. It's not just nothing. Yeah. But we'll save that for the break. Were your, uh, but, were your uh, normie friends like, I'm deleting Facebook. It's all TikTok for me. <laughs> no. No. Okay. No, that's that would be funny though. Yeah. Facebook is evil. It's all about TikTok. Yeah. The glorious uh People's Republic of TikTok. Which uh which by the way, it goes into kind of the uh the name of this episode Belly Feel. Uh mm-hmm. people are asking what it means and if you're not familiar, it's part of the news speak from the story 1984 by George Orwell. Mm-hmm. And it's defined as a blind acceptance of an idea or concept with an implication of enthusiasm for the concept, despite a lack of knowledge about it. So yeah, it's kind Which of like describes everything, everything going on. Cause, cause what it is, is emotional yeah. uh, reaction yeah. is what belly trigger is. Yeah. You're emotionally triggered, right? You don't know anything about it. You just know it makes you your tummy turn. Yeah. So that's what the belly feel is. And uh, speaking of belly feel, the robots are trying to make us feel better bellies. Flippy update. (laughs) Flippy update. Do you want fries with that? Okay, folks, it's time for the Flippy update. If you're new to the show, Flippy is the name of the disembodied robot arms that are flipping our burgers, taking our jobs, enslaving our children, and flirting with our spouses. We like to talk about Flippy as a proxy conversation for how robotics and AI are worming their way into our lives, whether we like it or not, and what that means for you and your children. Um, a lot about AI in the, the social dilemma, but today... We're talking about uh, uh, the smartest uh, member of the Flippy family. (laughs) And this is coming from news.yahoo.com, the overachiever Flippy. Teenager is pain-free thanks to robot-assisted spine surgery. Ooh, watch out, spine surgeons. Flippy's coming for you. Um, I'm going to play the clip if you don't mind. Yes, I was going to say real quick. It says, using sophisticated software, doctors scan and plan in the operating room, then program the robotic arm where to drill to place screws in the spine. Let's play the clip. And for seven years, when it caused her to walk with a limp, a teenager from Loveland met with a surgeon at Children's Hospital Colorado. As health specialist Kathy Walsh reports, the doctor repaired the 19-year-old's broken spine with the help of a robot. Katie Kingston is walking tall and feeling terrific. Hoping to start nursing school in January. The 19-year-old is finally pain-free after seven years of suffering that started at gymnastics. I was at practice one day and fell off the ball onto my back and just was an instant pain and couldn't get up for 30 minutes. Katie says a doctor told her it was a sprain, but her back hurt on and off for years. She gave up athletics. Then a year ago, it just got to the point where I had really bad nerve pain down my right leg and started walking with a limb. 
Katie's injury was more serious than a sprain. There's a stress fracture in her spine. Orthopedic surgeon Dr. Mark Erickson at Children's Hospital Colorado would realign the bones and add a graft. He'd get this, help I love this, from this a doctor. It's a new frontier. Is, super uh, hold on, pause it real quick. Yeah. yeah. Go back to where the doctor is on his Zoom call. And he's got his green screen. <laughs> he's got his green screen and he's got like a an, a ski mountain behind him. Yeah. Oh, such a fun loving, adventurous individual. And he starts talking and they they just, you know, they just start the, the narrator starts talking right over him. Yeah, Typical that's the news, news for you. Surgeon yeah. Dr. Mark Erickson at Children's Hospital Colorado would realign the bones and add a graft. He'd get help from a robot. It's a new frontier Ooh. that's super exciting. Using sophisticated software, doctors scan and plan in the operating room, then program the robotic arm where to drill to place screws in the spine. With the robot, we're able to do the surgeries that we've done for a long time, um, but now we're able to do them with more precision, accuracy, and safety. As soon as I woke up from surgery, the nerve pain was gone. Katie has two rods and four screws in her back. Hers was Dr. Erickson's hundredth robot-assisted pediatric spine surgery. It was Katie's cure. I feel like I can Ooh. finally get on with life. In Aurora, I'm Kathy Walsh covering color. All right, there you go. There you go. Flippy's in the operating room. Now, there's been a, uh, you know, a long history of robotics in the operating room. Most famously, the Da Vinci surgical robot that can be controlled from, you know, across the earth. Um, but here's just another one. Watch out. You know, this this poor doctor on his Zoom call with his green screen background bragging about the robot has no idea that soon he will be replaced. This is the flippy that my parents wanted me to be. It's the it's the one <laughs> that makes surgeon. it's the one that makes all the Asian parents proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, maybe I need to add uh, you know stealing our parents' love uh, onto the list of dangers of flippy. Doctor Flippy. Yes, Doctor Doctor Son Flippy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. We're going to see, of course, a lot of the robotics advancements are done in the name of uh, medical improvements and, and health reasons. Um, and then, you know, of course, we've seen how that gets twisted into uh, not just improving um, medical care and helping doctors, but eventually, you know, keeping the cost of human doctors down. Down. Yeah, I really feel bad for, um, you know, the future of medical students and doctors and things like that. It's just going to be an entirely new world. Yeah. And she was talking about how she wants to go to nursing school and stuff. And the back of my mind, I'm going, why? You're going to be running robots is basically what your job is going to be. Yeah, they have the the uh, intravenous, uh, you know, what are those called? IV sticking robots yeah. where it's taking like most of nurses jobs, things yeah. like that. And watch uh, out kids. I think the CGI is interesting too. They don't want to show the real thing. I'm sure the real thing is a little more bloody, you know, like blood yeah. squirting everywhere <laughs> and just a real grotesque scene. But Hey, we'll, uh, we'll show, show the CGI and the, the, you know, the, the graphics that show the, the screws, yeah, which are nice, huge. Nice little uh, ad package. I guess. But yeah, those screws were huge that they were showing in the x-ray. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. yeah Backs. Yeah. Backs. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The back. Uh, all right. Well, you have your flippy update. I have a flippy update of my own. 
which uh, is kind of in your world of mechs. Mm-hmm. Sleepy update. Do you want fries with that? And of course, we've been tracking the uh, the Gundam, but this is DailyMail.co.uk. Amazing footage shows giant 60-foot Japanese transformer-like robot, which is Gundam. Why don't they just call it Gundam? <laughs> For uh, trademark reasons. Yeah, I guess. Pointing to the sky and taking a knee during a test in Yokohama. And uh, for those of you watching, you can see Gundam. This is a 4X speed, so I guess he's moving a little slower than than you'd like. But he's 60 feet tall, so of course, uh, time works different for giant robots, I guess. Uh, but what do you think, Basil? He's kneeling. I know, man. There's some competition out there. He's, is he taking a Black Lives Matter <laughs> kneel? Is that what that is? I'm not sure, but... Yeah, that's kind of the that was my first thought as well that he's complicit with the BLM movement, and that really turns me off to Gundam. <laughs> Going, Gundam, what are you doing? Um, so I have a question for you. You are uh, from Japan, mm-hmm. and uh, is, well, no, I'm not there, from Japan. Is, I'm born in America. My parents are from Japan. Yes, born your and parents raised are from in the Japan. US. Yeah, but you're 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 up. You're familiar with the culture mm-hmm. and the the subtleties of what's going on over there. Um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement being a global movement. You know, popping up all over the world, especially in Europe and the United States. Is there any sort of Black Lives Matter movement in Japan? I don't think so. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard anything really. Uh. I know there. Japan happens to be a little more nationalist than you'd think. Yeah, they don't totally. like other nations coming in and you know taking stake on their land or businesses. Uh, so they they have a, a pretty nationalistic view on things. So mm-hmm. I I'm sure like the young people who are easily brainwashed, which is a lot of them, uh, are you know all about it because they'll they'll just buy into any kind of globalist type of narrative. Um, but I don't think there's like an outspoken BLM thing happening in Japan, especially because, you know, they, they live in a society where there's already a lot of gun control. Um, mm-hmm. There's like barely any gun related deaths and it's very difficult to acquire a gun and stuff like that. There's a lot of like knife deaths and like stabbings and stuff. Yeah. Because, it's like uh, the UK in that. Yeah. Yeah. So if we get rid of the guns. Everybody will get along. No, they just start stabbing oh, each other. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't think there's much of a BLM type of movement, but they don't need it. There's kind of a a youth it's type of he- uh, yeah yeah. It's it, pretty a, hegemonic culture too. There's not like a whole lot of yeah. different uh, at least the numbers compared to the United States. Most people in Japan are just Japanese, right? Yeah, and and a lot of people are very anti-military, and I think this Abe who just stepped down was trying to reinstate a Japanese military. I heard about yeah, that. Yeah, and the, and the youth were pretty upset about that. They're like, we don't need military. This is, you know, we we don't need to go in that direction, but of course. Right. You know, war and stuff. Money. War. We need more money. Hmm. Yeah. Uh but anyway, there you go. Uh watch out Basil's um what's the name of your robot? Prosthesis. Prosthesis, which still sounds yeah. like a weird medical procedure to me. <laughs> it um, is weird, but yeah. You know. <laughs> Well, prosthesis is having a prosthetic limb, you know. I know, but you're going to yeah. be in your prosthesis, and I'm going to be in the Gundam Transformer-like robot, and I will just step on you. Okay. Bring it, bro. <laughs> Bring, Bring it, bro. It. You got to move at 4X speed to look normal. I know, I'll I'm a little slow. Circles around you. I'm a little slow right now, but just, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just put me on some 
some, I don't know, cocaine. Give you shot in the butt like Trump <laughs> said about uh, Biden. <laughs> yeah, some kind of drug. I'll get some, some you know, some of that uh, robot crack, you know? Yeah, B12 and methamphetamines, baby. <laughs> All right. All right. We okay. got any updates? We do. We got a bunch. We interrupt this broadcast to give you a brief update. By the end of this timely interruption, you will be thoroughly updated. 33 is the number of completion of the Great War. Now, of course, uh, one of the main stories today is about the Hunter Biden uh, thing being, you know, we're going to get to it, as well as the uh, Louisville story. Uh, there was somebody in the chat saying that they're from Louisville. And so, you know, pe- asking people to pray for his city with all the stuff happening there with uh, the protests after the Breonna Taylor thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Hunter Biden thing is kind of a big deal, but I think they're trying to distract everybody today from that story. And this is one of the stories that was uh, of distraction. And this was New York times tweeting this out. Maya Gabberia or Gaber Gabe Ira, a 33 mm-hmm. year old Ooh. Brazilian surfer wrote a 73.5 foot wave in Nazaire, Portugal in February. In February. Has nothing to do with anything right now, but have you seen the footage of as Nazare? Nazare. Very famous, very famous uh, big wave surfing spot. Yeah. Now have you seen the footage though? Um yeah, I have. Pretty incredible. Pretty it's not uh, not not a war not the world record, but still pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. And I don't know why I've had a lot of dreams about riding giant waves. And uh Ooh. this just kind of uh I don't know, sparks my brain dream memories. Yeah. And uh, I just pretend like I'm him. Although he gets kind of. This yeah, is a woman. This was. Oh, the, she? So I take that oh, yeah, back. Maya. It is. It is a uh, record. It's a record for the uh, first woman uh, to ride a wave that big. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. It looks very scary, but also, of course, 33. And was she 33 boom, boom. at the time? Is she 33 now? I mean, it's been seven months. <laughs> You know, good point. They don't, they don't really good point. She could be 34, but it's more important to put 33 in the story. I know to signal to the elites. I know that the to ride the wave, <laughs> to ride the worry, wave, ride the wave. <laughs> and it's the first woman, so that means that there's a uh, a big wave of feminist activism coming. But just ride it out. Everything's going to be fine. Wow. See, I'm learning cool. to decode the elite messaging. Yeah, here. yeah. On Nazare too, like. Nazarene is that is that oh. kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, all right. Um, so next quick story here. State-sponsored propaganda machinery. And of course, we've talked about communism and the communist takeover. This was on DigitalJournal.com. I just thought it was a an interesting little a PR thing here. International spy reveals secret past future concerns. Ghost past operative future concerns. Yeah, ghost operative Dr. Julio Antonio Del Marmol shares his intriguing true life story and warns how to prevent a horrible repeat of history. And he basically came out of, uh, he was working for Castro and oh. uh, yeah. And he wrote a book called uh, the Cuban lightning, the zipper. And he says, quote, I love this country, the United States of America, but I am very concerned. Dr. Del Marmol admits quote, there's an extremely powerful group of people who are attempting to overtake this country and replace it with a communist government. The people mm. of the United States must wake up and not allow their lives and country to be sacrificed. So there you go. X, uh, X, he, I, I don't remember what the, uh, what it says his role was in the Castro regime, but he, uh, he was a part of it. He saw how it works. He's an international spy. Yeah. 
Yeah, he spied for them, and he he is saying that uh, the United States is under threat. So, and nothing new in terms of that knowledge. I mean, we've known about that for decades, uh, but it seems like they they're ramping up, and somebody who would know from a communist state, yeah, uh, coming out with a book. Maybe he just wants to sell some books, but. Hey, yeah, you know, least. that's been the interesting thing about recent uh, events here is like, you know, there's people, this huge movements, especially in the political scene in the United States saying, oh, that's just crazy. You're worried about communism. Yeah. That's just silly. You know, we can we can work in some socialized programs without the threat of communism, you crazy alarmist. And then all these <laughs> all these pretty, you know, academic slash high ranking people from, you know, countries that were formerly communist or they escaped a communist country. They're all like, no, no, this is wrong. This is, <laughs> don't let this happen. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, people what people say and what the reality is seem there seems to be a gap. And yep. that's also the case with this uh, next little update. A new world order can emerge. This is from the economist.com. Of course, Basil, a new world mm-hmm. order is just a, it's just a, you know, a wild just, conspiracy just a theory. Click away. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh no. Yeah. It's a, it's a wild conspiracy theory. It's not real. Come on. Mm. Uh, Money Talks, the podcast, Economist Radio, New Energy Order, How Clean Power is Fueling Geopolitical Changes. And uh, the first sentence of this little uh, article, it's kind of like a promotion for the episode of Money Talks, Power Mm in the 21st Century, which was published on September 22nd, 2020. Oil fueled the 20th century, but now a huge energy shock is, is catalyzing a shift. To a new world order. Uh-oh. So again, it's not a crazy conspiracy theory when presidents use it. And <laughs> The Economist is just outright saying that we're entering a new world order. So yep. just, uh, you know, it's another example there where you can send to... The new world order. Yeah, yeah. You can send Who it to that? your... Uh, uh, what is that? Uh, Henry Kissinger? Yeah, good yeah, one. Kissinger. Kiss of death. Uh uh, just another article where you can send to friends and family or normie friends about like, hey, you know, the conspiracy theory about new world order. Well, here's the economist basically saying that we're entering a new world order. And oh, yeah. there you go. And uh, another quick update here. Where's my vaccine? Vaccine. Vaccine. This is AJC.com Atlanta. News now medical experts push for children in COVID-19 vaccine trials. And it says here, as efforts increase to enroll more older adults and people from all racial and ethnic groups in vaccine trial studies, medical experts are becoming more vocal in their desire to key uh, desire to see a key group in such research. Children. Uh oh. Why does that sound scary? It sounds like a Halloween novel or something. <laughs> it does sound spooky. Dr. Evan, <laughs> Dr. Evan Anderson, an associate professor of medicine and pediatrics at Emory University School of Medicine and Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, was the lead author of a paper co written by seven other published Monday titled Warp Speed for COVID 19 Vaccine. Why are children stuck in neutral? Why, Basil? What? That's so weird. Why are children not being considered? So they, they're saying they want to test on children? Yeah. 
Yeah, that just is not a good look. No. Quote, Let's we owe it to our children to not delay moving forward initial studies to evaluate promising vaccine candidates. Let's shoot them up. Yeah. Who's what uh, politician is going to volunteer their child for the first round of testing? Um, oh, that's right. They're not going to because they're going to test it on children in Africa. Right. right. And of course, uh, yeah, you, you maybe Bill Gates is uh, will I will, you know, volunteer his children since uh, we're taking things that are genetically modified organisms and we're injecting them in little kids arms. We just shoot them right into the vein, 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 right into the vein. That's still funny to me that the. He said that Bill you're Gates. sick, man. <laughs> Me? I'm sick. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sick. Oh, you like, I need the vaccine. Is that what you're, you're saying? sick? You need a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And okay. uh, in conjunction to this story, there was uh, a clip that was going around that was shared on the channel. Daya Tom. I think this person is from the nation state of Israel. And the video is titled ID 2020 microchip ad on national TV, Israel. And wow. I'll, uh, I'll play it. It really is. It's kind of hard because the actual clip is really poor footage. It's like phone camera footage of a TV. And so the mm. audio and they're speaking uh, Israeli. So I, you know, I, I don't understand what they're saying. Hebrew. Hebrew. Oh, eh, yeah. if you can call it he- modern Hebrew, a little different from it's called Hebrew. Hebrew. Yeah, but it's different kind of Hebrew. But anyway, um, <laughs> And I was trying to get the closed caption here, but it doesn't really show up in English. Uh, but I'll just play about a minute of this uh, person here, Daya Tom on YouTube, talking about the clip because she does mention it in English. And okay. of course, on the top right of the video, this weird like spiral thing kind of reminds people of the, the whole pedo symbol, whatnot. Sure. But yeah. uh, here's the clip from the video. Hi everyone, today I want to show you a little piece of something that has been running on national television. It was broadcasted a minute and a half or a minute before the news on the second TV channel here in Israel. It's just basically an ad with kids and a lot of weird symbolism, if you can see the spiral and the triangles and the X's and a lot of pedophilia connected crazy stuff in there and uh, kids are being asked basically what would the future in school look like and um, I'm gonna put some uh, subtitles in English in there try to figure out how to do that um, and basically if if uh, if I succeed then you'll be able to see some subtitles in English if not then just basically there's this boy who just says that oh we're gonna have these implants and then a picture of the implant pops up as you will see and um, right. we're gonna have these implants in our hands and they're gonna connect to the nervous system and connect to the brain and everything is going to be transferred like that so there you okay. go yeah and uh you can see if, for those of you watching there's a still shot of the of the kid kind of pointing at his hand and there's kind of an overlay of a microchip and it's really quick it's really not that you know uh, obvious but i think anyone right. who knows about it kind of goes whoa 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 what and gotta chip the kids gotta man. chip the kids and this goes hand in hand with the story from a few weeks ago and yeah, maybe a few months now where Netanyahu came out and said he basically wanted to track children with microchips. <laughs> you know, and yeah. there was like pushback from rabbis, like, we can't microchip children. What are you right. talking about, BB? Uh, so, yeah, pretty alarming, pretty crazy, weird, and creepy. 
But uh, that's the world we're heading into. And if you are not aware of maybe the prophetic significance of that, you're going to buy into it. You're going to be uh, you're going to be um, belly feel uninformed. Yes, you're going to have to rely on your belly feel for when the the chip squad comes around. Yeah, you're going to have to get all excited. Uh, but mm-hmm. you had a quick update yeah, as well. Do you have you, a link? You, uh, you crossed onto my turf with your flippy update. So I figured I'd cross <laughs> onto your turf yeah. with my own little update here. Do you have a, a link is, to this? Um, oh, yeah. I never sent it to you. No, Hold on a second. You failed to, uh, to contribute uh, to the show properly, I, Basil. Yeah. I just literally <laughs> realized that I did not send that to you. Let me pop it into our chipe scat here. Skype no, don't chat. do it to Skype. Do it on the document because then, like, your whole video sure. will mess it's up. It's really big. It's going to be humongous. That's fine. Here you go. You always, boop, boop, boop. You always do that. Okay, so I got a little update here. Uh, you know, we like to, to keep an eye on artificial intelligence. And, of course, there's been a lot of uh, breaking uh, news about artificial intelligence making its way into the creative realm. If you thought that... Uh, you know, AI couldn't be artists or speechwriters for the president. You are wrong. This was a tweet from uh, Keaton Patty on Twitter. Uh, I forced a, a bot. What? You sent me a, a, a screenshot. Makes it harder to do this, but it's okay. I'll figure it out. Hold on. You want to just. Nah, it's all right. I'll figure it out. I, it's just the only thing I have. This is the, this is what it is. This was a <laughs> okay. screenshot from a tweet. And yes, it is what it I is. I put it in the doc like you asked. Yeah, it did take and a lot of space. And now just so much complaining from this guy, <laughs> folks. I'm just going to look for it myself. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So uh, it reads, I forced a bot to watch over a thousand hours of Trump rallies and then asked it to write a Trump rally of its own. Here is the first page. All right. Uh, let's see. <laughs> it's written in a screenplay format, so I'll do my best to translate it. Uh, interior, big Arby's in South Wyoming, Oklahoma. President Trump forces himself on a podium. I just had a phone call with the economy. Jobs poured out of the phone. Great jobs. Tall jobs. Steve Jobs. All at Kinko's. The crowd cheers. It is full of real Americans. Man with hard hat. Man with harder hat. Gun that is alive. The United States. (laughs) The United (laughs) Snakes is doing so good. Other countries are on fire. All the people on fire. Hot fire too. Hot. uh, Not us. Our flag is so beautiful. President Trump salutes a flag that says Arby's food is fine to eat. The crowd howls. They love the flag of America. I signed a bill. No more swamp. Swamp gone. Swamp is in Mexico now. It's on fire. Great deal for us. The crowd chants four more swamps. Four more swamps. Foreign powers cheat us. Canada steals our milk. China steals our milk. We only had one glass of milk left. Obama drank it. Not fair. The crowd boos. They want that milk. But like President Ronald Reagan, I will bring back the milk. The crowd roars. They still want that milk. A wall of milk. No criminals get through. Democrats want criminals to have the milk. No way. Milk comes from coal. We'll dig it up. All of the words are mispronounced. The crowd cheers. Uh, they hate mispronounce. They hate. They- sorry. All of the words are mispronounced. The crowd cheers. They hate pronunciations. They love milk. They start digging. 
So there you go. There's your AI Trump uh, uh, speech. I thought it was quite good, actually. Yeah, I'm still trying to get it to work over here, but failed. So you got through it. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. It's all about the audio. Man. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying for you visual audio. people here. But uh, yeah, pretty good Trump there. That's a uh, thank you. I don't bad. do the Trump, but people in chat are saying they like my Trump better than they like my dinosaur impression. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but you know, whatever, whatever works, <laughs> whatever gets the people going. Yep. And now our document is all messed up and I cannot see I anything it. you did. Nothing yeah. is working on my end. Everything is frozen. So reload, reload. Yeah. Let's see if the reload does anything. Yeah, fun stuff. Where are we at? Doot, what are we doot, doing? Doot, doot, doot. First story, baby. Okay. What's here? The we first are story? 45 minutes in and uh, we're getting to our first story. <laughs> is it the Biden story? Yeah. All right. Got hairy legs. Got hairy legs. Okay. Uh, oops. Not the right story. Here it is. The Federalist.com. Senate report accuses Hunter Biden of paying for hookers who may have been trafficked. No, no. Yeah. <clears throat> An Earth- Hunter. Uh, Hunter. This is not the time to be caught <laughs> trafficking human beings. Harry Your dad's Le- trying to be president. Harry Legs Hunter. An earth-shattering report released by Senate investigators Wednesday outlining the Biden family's long list of conflict conflicts of interest at the upper echelons of government unearthed new allegations of former vice president joe biden's son making multiple payments to eastern european prostitutes according to the joint report out by the uh senate homeland security and government affairs committee with the state treasury committee hunter biden made a number of payments to foreign nationals with questionable backgrounds consistent with organized prostitution and or human trafficking records on file with the committee. The report says, quote, confirm that Hunter Biden sent thousands of dollars to individuals who have either one been involved in transactions consistent with possible human trafficking two, an association with the adult entertainment industry or three potential association with prostitution. The report continued detailing that some transactions were Russian and Ukrainian linked to what, quote, appears to be an Eastern European prostitution or human trafficking ring. This is not the first time Hunter Biden's infidelity has promised headaches for his father's 2020 presidential campaign. In November last year, uh, page six reported that an Arkansas woman who successfully sued the former vice president's son for monthly child support was a stripper at a club Hunter Biden frequented. Hunter Biden, according to the paper, was a regular guest at the empire club in washington dc's dupont circle where london alexis roberts the mother of biden's baby went by the name dallas on stage he was well known one source told page six since president donald trump's sham impeachment proceedings last fall highlighted hunter biden's questionable and possibly criminal overseas business activities the notorious member of the biden clan has maintained a low profile after intense scrutiny of the family's conflicts of interest has plagued the Democratic nominee's campaign. Hunter Biden's ab- absence has sparked the internet meme, Where's Hunter? It was briefly answered with a rare appearance at the Democratic Party's virtual convention in August, which uh, who knows if that was really him or just a deep fake of Hunter Biden. But there you go. That's the story, uh, at least on the Federalist here. And it's not getting a whole lot of play in yeah. uh, the Well, admittedly, outlets. just a. To- 
just for uh, transparency's sake, that you know the Federalist is a, is a more than right-leaning outlet, and so we wanted to actually look into the document. Yes. Um, to get the to to you know to get some unspoiled info. Not not that anything leaning right is spoiled, but you know we try to look past bias on this show. Right, and uh, I have the scrib.com article here. It's eighty-nine pages. Uh, I tried to skim through and come up with uh, some clips or quotes, actually. Uh, but it's titled Hunter Biden, Burisma and Corruption, the Impact on U.S. Government Policy and Related Concerns, U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, U.S. Senate Committee on Finance. And um, the, there's a whole section called Conflict of Interest. And then it's all divided up into uh, various things that uh, Biden was involved in. And it's, it's really interesting to read because, you know, you got your Ukrainian connection, then it goes into how he transferred money, but then uh, touching on uh, dealing with a Russian billionaire. Like, well, I think they said it was the first female Russian billionaire yeah. and right after. And of course, you know, that, that has its own issues and uh, hypocrisy with the whole Russia, Russia, Russia thing for Trump in the mainstream media. Right. And, um, uh, interestingly enough, it also mentions FinCEN, Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which we reported on the last episode about how they're you know, starting to expose the banking and the, the laundering of money that takes place. And, um, but then it goes into the, the, so the Russian uh, dealings with money. And right after the Russian thing, it goes right into, oh, yeah, he also dealt with uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And hmm, it's just classic. like a real bad look, you know, just all the things, you know, like all the negative things. And uh, speaking of the, the communist takeover, you know, you, you talk about Russia and China and dealing with both on a level that's, uh, you know, a problematic for anybody who's leading the United States, you know, not, not really surprising, but there's a conclusion section here. And uh, I had something highlighted. I think this was it here. Uh, the records acquired by the committees show that Hunter Biden and his family were involved in a vast financial network that connected them to foreign nationals and foreign governments across the globe. Hunter Biden and Archer in particular formed significant and consistent financial relationships with the corrupt oligarch Mykola Zlochevsky during their time working for Burisma and their firms made millions of dollars from that association while Joe Biden was president and the public face of the Obama administration's Ukraine policy. Rosemont Seneca Thornton, an investment firm co-founded by Hunter Biden, received $3.5 million in a wire transfer from Elena Baturina, who allegedly received illegal construction contracts from her husband, the former mayor of Moscow. Moreover, Archer's apparent receipt of money for a car from Kengiz Rakishev of Kazakhstan while Vice President Biden was in Kiev is especially concerning in light of the timing. And finally, Biden and Archer's work with Chinese nationals connected to the communist regime illustrate the deep financial connections that accelerated while his father was vice president and continued after he left office. And uh, it goes on actually prior to this whole conclusion here. It mentions some of the Chinese nationals that he was involved in, and mm -hmm. they're the ones that have recently been arrested and indicted uh, by oh, the wow. state. So yeah, big time, uh, people in the Chinese communist party that were infiltrating the United States in one way or another. And so uh, this is kind of a big deal. 
And uh, it says here, the records acquired by the committee shows consistent, significant, and extensive financial connections among and between Hunter Biden, James Biden, Sarah Biden, Devin Archer, and Chinese nationals connected to the communist regime and PLA, as well as other foreign nationals with questionable backgrounds and uh, lays out all the details. So there you go. That's, that's, that's directly from the source here instead of just the whole you know, prostitution thing, which obviously the right-leaning source is going to go for the moral uh, you know, mm-hmm. the ab- abhorrent moral aspect of the story to, uh, for political reasons. Um, but within that are actual corrupt behavior of treason, treasonous behavior by the hunt, the, the Bidens and specifically yeah. Hunter here. And, uh, you know, not surprising. We kind of knew about this, but interesting that it's official now U S Senate committee on Homeland security and government affairs, releasing the document on the whole thing. Yeah. And this came out today and uh, surprisingly, not a lot of people reporting on this, not yeah. a lot of outlets talking about it um, and seemingly been buried by today's news that the Breonna, one of the cops involved in the Breonna Taylor case uh, is actually being charged. Is he convicted or just charged? I think he was uh, indicted. We'll get to the story. I think he was indicted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about it. But yeah, it seemed to kind of overshadow a lot of today's news. Also, you probably won't, probably won't hear much about this Hunter Biden thing. Yeah. But also uh, the 33 year old that, you know, surfed surfed the big wave in February. Check it out, everybody. In February. (laughs) (laughs) just had to dig it up and say that. I know. There's a, I can yeah. picture like the PR people in the background, you know, bust out the surfing story. 33, right. 33, 33 <laughs> alert. We need Ride help. Ride the wave. Ride the wave. Ride the wave, everybody. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. Well, to balance things out a little bit, Gons, mm-hmm. I mentioned last episode, unless you have anything more to add to the Hunter Biden story. No, I'm just trying to get back to the document here, which uh, yeah. is still so giving me issues. So to balance things out a little bit, I mentioned last week, uh, I, I sort of tried off the top of my head to discuss um, this story that we're also not hearing a whole bunch about. Uh, about. Uh, I'm going to bring it to you here. This is from Vanity Fair. I'm not sure. A lot of stuff coming out of Vanity Fair recently. Now, at the top here, it's Vanity Fair Hive. I don't know what the hive <laughs> the is. The new age. We will love yes. the new age. <laughs> so there we go. To balance things out a little bit. Now, there's no official documents for, for me to comb through just yet on this story, but I just teased it yes, uh, last episode, so I wanted to bring it here. VanityFair.com, quote, uh, nope. Headline, one of the most significant potential conflicts of interest in American history, how everyone from foreign governments to federal contractors is quietly lining Trump's pockets. Um, so this was also kind of uh, discussed in the context of the FinCEN uh, bomb drop the other day uh, from... BuzzFeed uh, regarding, you know, banks willingly and knowingly facilitating large scale money laundering uh, for criminal enterprises and governments uh, around the world. And uh, along the same lines, let's get into this. Now, it's a super long article, so I recommend that everybody go. Check this out. Remember, we put all the links to the articles that we cover in the show notes. You can find that at canarycrynewstalk.com. 
Uh, I recommend everybody take a nice full read through this, but I'm going to be kind of jumping around and hitting the main points. Uh, But first, I'll start out at the beginning. And it reads like this. In the heart of San Francisco's financial district, a few blocks from the Transamerica Pyramid Center, ding, 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 that defines the city's skyline, sits a 52-story tower, the kind you might find in any major city. Its name, 555 California Street, is as uh, forgettable as its appearance, all brown and black and boring. Inside, a team of security guards watches over the elevator banks in the lobby, checking IDs. To get past them and into the heart of the building, I signed up for a desk in a co-working space on the 49th floor. Once there, I rode down to a different floor, the 43rd, and walked off the elevator. Before me stood a pristine office with shiny concrete floors, subdued gray couches, empty chairs, and a sign that read, Qatar Investment Authority Advisory USA, Inc. And in smaller type, a subsidiary of the Qatar Investment Authority. Nothing inside the place looked as if it had been touched. There was a marble welcome desk with no one to welcome visitors. On top of the counter sat a plant that looked like it had been dead for months. I wrapped my knuckles on the glass doors. No one answered, even though it was in the middle of the afternoon. The next day, in the morning, I returned. Again, I knocked and no one answered. Why would anyone, much less an entity that serves as an arm of the Qatar Atari government bother outfitting an empty office space in an expensive San Francisco skyscraper. Consider who owns the building. The lobby features signs for Vornado Realty Trust, the publicly traded firm with innumerable shareholders that has a 70% stake in the tower. The other 30% belongs to a single man, Donald J. Trump, the President of the United States. His interest here is worth an estimated $442 million after debt, making it the most valuable holding in his entire portfolio. It's worth more than twice as much as Trump Tower, more than seven times as much as Trump's property in Vegas, six teams, t- 16 times as much as his Doral Golf Resort in Miami. The amount Qatar pays in rent remains a mystery. Odds are it adds up uh, to a sum most billionaires not named Trump would hardly notice. According to a Vornado document, the office is just 5,557 square feet. If the Qataris are paying the average rate in the building, that would amount to $450,000 a year, and Trump's 30% would total $135,000. The money does not flow directly. Instead, it appears to go from the U.S. subsidiary of the Qatar Investment Authority, a sovereign wealth fund, to HWA 555 Owners LLC. According to filings, Trump sent to federal ethics officials the Donald J. Trump Revocable Trust owns 30% of HWA. WA 555 Owners LLC, and that trust, according to documents the Trump Organization submitted to authorities in Washington, D.C., was set up, uh, quote, to hold assets for the exclusive benefit of Donald J. Trump. Trump, in other words, personally holds 30% of the space the Qataris are leasing. Strip away the layers, and it boils down to just the sort of arrangement the Founding Fathers feared. A foreign government, it seems, has been paying the president of the United States for more than a year. With so many other scandals brewing, this one has managed to go entirely undetected until now. Good um, job, Vanity Fair. So awesome. <laughs> so proud of you. 
<laughs> now, just a couple more little paragraphs until I start jumping around here. Uh, in order to understand why Qatar might want to funnel cash to the president, it's important to first understand U.S.-Qatari relations. A peninsula hanging off Saudi Arabia, smaller than the state of Connecticut, Qatar has played an outsized role in global politics for one reason, money. There are 77% more natural gas reserves sitting under Qatar than under the entire United States, helping to make Qatar, on per capita basis, the second richest nation on Earth. Although Qatar doesn't share any American values, monarchs rule the country and its labor abuses are legendary, it has long been an ally of the United States. Qatari troops fought alongside Americans in the Gulf War. Afterward, the tiny nation spent more than $8 billion on a military base hosting American troops near Doha, the Qatari capital, which has been a key center for operations in Afghanistan and Syria. America has other allies in the region, including Saudi Arabia. Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, but for years the allies have been sparring among themselves. In 2014, Saudi Arabia, yeah, hold on, sorry, lost myself here. Um, yep, okay. In 2014, Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and Bahrain pulled their ambassadors from Qatar, accusing the country of backing terrorists. In May 2017, Trump took his first trip overseas as president, visiting Saudi Arabia, a nation that had recently pumped more than $270,000 into the Trump International Hotel. In early June, the Saudis and several other Middle Eastern nations collectively cut off diplomatic ties with Qatar. Saudi Arabia also shut down its borders with its neighbor, turning Qatar into a virtual island. Is that the trip when uh, that, there was that bizarre picture with uh, Trump uh, touching like a glowing globe with the Saudi guy? That's a great question. I don't think so. I think it's the same guy. I, be- I don't remember where exactly that happened, but that, that might have been it. Uh, you could Google that yeah, while I continue here. If, yeah. Um, Qatar denied the charges and worked to defend its reputation, shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars to lobbyists to vouch for the embattled nation in Washington. The Qataris also struck deals with American companies like Boeing and Raytheon, and in a move that managed to evade detection, they figured out how to rent space inside Trump's most valuable property. The Qataris finished outfitting their new office space on the 43rd floor sometime after February 2018, when the Saudi dispute was still raging. According to someone who worked inside the skyscraper in August 2018, Trump's partner Varnado filed a document with San Francisco officials about work being done on the premises, describing the Qatar Investment Authority Advisory, Inc. as a lessee. Construction crews built out an office complete with intricate white latticework in the entryway. After the hammer stopped banging, however, the space went unusually quiet. Quote, I never saw a single person enter the office other than construction, the person who worked in the building explained in a text message. Quote, I travel a lot, so I could have missed it, but definitely saw other people in other offices. Always thought it was strange, the source added. 
Also strange, the lobby's long list of tenants made no mention of the Qatar Investment Authority. The website for the Qatar Investment Authority listed an office in New York, but didn't say anything about the one in San Francisco. When asked about this deal and others, a spokesperson for the White House replied in an email, quote, these are all questions for Trump Org, not the White House. The Trump Organization did not respond to a long list of questions. Spokespeople for Vernado and the Qatar Investment Authority declined to comment. It's unclear what, if anything, goes on inside the space. Regardless, the arrangement might be a violation of the U.S. Constitution, which forbids presidents from accepting emoluments, compensation, from foreign governments. The president's legal team has previously argued that when a foreign government pays the president at his Washington, D.C. hotel, it's legal because the trade constitutes a value-for-value exchange. Woo, Gons. There we go. Value-for-value exchange. It's like us. Uh, Trump gets money and the officials get a place to stay in the San Francisco office tower. However, it's harder to make that case. Trump apparently still receives the money and the Qatar Investment Authority gets an empty office space that does not that it does not seem to need. Um, And then there's a big chunk I'm going to skip here that just goes into uh, individual Qatari uh, rulers and ambassadors and stuff. And um, it's important, but uh, not for the purposes of this conversation. I'll mention that the 666 Fifth Avenue is mentioned. In that, in that, yeah, section. they talk about Kushner's 666 building, yeah, um, which is included in the, kind of this whole thing. But let's continue. By law, the president has to disclose. So basically, the just for to sum it up, uh, if you're if my voice droning on is uh, turning you off, um, the uh, Qatari government. Uh, has been renting a space seemingly unused uh, in San Francisco, in one of Trump's San Francisco towers uh, that essentially pays out one hundred thirty five thousand dollars to Trump every year. Uh, continuing on by law, the president has to disclose every company that pays him, but he does not have to reveal who in turn pays those companies. That means that Trump who holds his commercial real estate portfolio through a web of entities does not have to disclose who is, who his tenants are. It's a massive loophole in federal disclosure laws. One that allows the president to accept money from entities all over the world without ever having to tell federal ethics officials who is paying him. Anticipating concerns about conflicts of interest, the Trump organization set up an ethics plan before the president took office. One of its key tenets, uh, an advisor would review any new deals that came about while Trump served as president. The attorneys who helped put together this plan made it seem like an airtight arrangement. Quote, written approval of the ethics advisor is required for all actions, deals, and transactions that could potentially raise ethics or conflict of interest concerns they wrote in the white paper. But that wasn't what happened. According to Trump Organization Chief Legal Officer Alan Garten, Trump's business did not review potential tenants in buildings where Trump held a majority, uh, sorry, minority stake. That opened up massive breach in the ethics pledge because Trump's two most valuable assets are minority stakes in office buildings. His 30% ownership of the 1290 Avenue of the Americas and 555 California Street. 
Quote, we have no involvement or approval rights over the selection of any tenants in those buildings and play no role in the negotiation of any of their leases, Garten explained in an email. Trump's 30% share of the rent in the two office towers amounts to an estimated $99 million annually, or roughly 52% of the commercial rent flowing into the Trump organization. In other words, despite pre-inauguration promises, half of the money flowing through the president's commercial real estate portfolio does not appear to have gone through any internal vetting process. Okay, now I'm going to skip down a little bit here. It's an ethical nightmare for foreign government entities from China, Qatar, India, and the United Arab Emirates have rented space in Trump's buildings while he served as president. At least 35 tenants lobbied the federal government on policy issues. 20 of those pitched the White House or the president personally. 30 or more tenants collected over $8 billion in federal government contracts from 2018 to 2019 alone, at least 17 faced federal investigations on matter uh, matters including fraud, money laundering, and corruption. Add it all up, and Trump's tenant relationships, uh, remember tenant relationships being people who rent from him, uh, create one of the most significant potential conflicts of interest in American history. He keeps saying uh, potential, which is... <laughs> Which is interesting yeah, because they, they right. can't nail it down exactly, but should there yeah, be and a I want to I want to get into that too. Don't get me wrong. Just because I'm reading all this, you know, doesn't mean I have any don't have any extra comments to make. Uh, but I want to just get as much of the story basics as we can, so we can talk about it. Um, let's see. Let me scroll down. Do 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 do. Uh, here it is. Uh, let's see. It appears to be enough money. Da, 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 da. Then there were law firms who served as tenants while lobbying on behalf of various foreign clients, including some with disastrous reputations. Jones Day helped Huawei, the Chinese technology company that Trump labeled a national security threat, with issues before the White House while also paying the president an estimated $1.5 million a year. Venable LLP, a firm renting space inside of 1290 Avenue of the Americas for an estimated $12.2 million a year, lobbied the Treasury Department and Congress on behalf of Russian state-controlled bank Spurbank, weighing in on bills designed to expose corruption around the Kremlin and combat Russian interference in elections. A spokesperson for Venable suggested that connecting its rent payments to its lobbying efforts requires, quote, an incredible leap of logic. Fair enough, but it's still remarkable that a Trump tenant was apparently pushing Vladimir Putin's agenda in Washington. And because of lax disclosure laws that leave the details of these transactions secret, it took more than three years uh, into Donald Trump's presidency for anybody to notice. Uh, skipping down, also questionable, the president's interactions with Wall Street. Two weeks after his inauguration, Trump welcomed the White House CEO... Uh, to the White House, CEO Jamie Demon, Diamond, whose oh, company J J <laughs> Demon, Demon Jamie Demon, yeah. whose company J P Morgan Chase pays the president an estimated two point five million a year. Trump expressed his excitement at hearing Diamond's thoughts on Dodd Frank, the landmark legislation intended to rein in the excesses that led to the Great Recession. 
Quote, there's nobody better to tell me about Dodd-Frank than Jamie, so you're going to tell me about it, Trump said to Diamond at the time. Quote, we expect to be cutting a lot out of Dodd-Frank because, frankly, I have so many people, friends of mine, that have nice businesses that can't borrow money. They just can't get any money because the banks just won't let them borrow because of the rules and regulations in Dodd-Frank. Um, then they have a little bit here, including Barack Obama, Jamie, the regular, yeah. the reg. Yeah. I was just going to say Jamie Dimon also, before you go off of him with JP Morgan, mm-hmm. the guy that sort of took over the entire, during the entire 2008 economic <laughs> crash, uh, he was the one that stepped in and, and said, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll help, uh, you know, get the money from government. And so he, he took a lot of heat for that, but he, he was kind of thrown into a situation almost like a scapegoat and everybody, you know, cause he was like the banker getting bailed out during right. the whole recession. And also his, uh, a lot of his JP Morgan chase people have been arrested in the last year. I think there's like a handful, maybe five or six uh, traders that were arrested, not, maybe not arrested, at least indicted for manipulating the uh, price of the silver markets. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Okay, just a couple more little uh, details here. It would be easy to brush all this aside if Trump's tenants had never been accused of using money to buy influence, but that's not the case. More than a dozen Trump tenants face uh, face known federal investigations while their landlord was in office. Inside 40 Wall Street alone, at least six tenants faced federal scrutiny. Among them, an engineering firm listed on a debt prospectus filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission as the third highest paying paying tenant inside the office building responsible for 2.2 million in annual rent in 2018 the manhattan district attorney's office indicted the firm and its ceo as a part of a corruption corruption scheme related to new york city contracts the ceo ended up pleading guilty to first degree bribery today a rebranded version of the firm dubbed uh, attain is still afloat with a slightly smaller lease paying 1.3 million a year to rent in the president's building. Even Trump's blue chip tenants have had issues. Walgreens boots Alliance, JP Morgan chase, Satender bank, Morgan Stanley Santander. bank of America. What? It said Santander. That's what I said. Okay. All right. Centender Bank, Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Goldman Sachs all paid the president rent while the federal government investigated their businesses. Capital One, which leased the corner space in Trump Park Avenue, faced an anti-money laundering investigation. So did UBS, which leases space in 555 California Street. Barclays, which once paid an estimated $2.4 million annually to rent space in 555 California Street, handed over $6 million in 2019 to settle charges that it had violated the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act by giving jobs to relatives of government officials in Asia in order to curry favor. In July 2019, at the same time that Microsoft was vying for a giant cloud computing contract with the Defense Department, the software firm paid $25 million uh, to settle allegations that its subsidiary in Hungary, Saudi Arabia, and Thailand had violated Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, funneling money and gifts to government officials. 
uh, just two more paragraphs here. 21st Century Fox, the former parent company of Fox News, paid Trump a small sum for engineering space that appears to be connected to an antenna on top of Trump International Hotel and Tower in New York City. Despite all the attention paid to Trump's cozy relationship with Fox, the deal has flown almost entirely under the radar. I love this part. Before CNN watchers get too enraged, however, <laughs> it's worth noting that the Trump organization has a similar agreement with that channel for use of an antenna on top of Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. It's hard to keep up with all of this. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with all of this. That's the point. There is simply too much money flowing between the federal government, President Trump, and private entities to investigate every deal or the motivations behind it. Federal ethics officials do not even know who the president's tenants are, much less much less what they pay or why they pay it so the money keeps flowing. And that's the end there. But I do love how both Fox and CNN have deals that are paying the president. Yeah. Right and now, uh, which just... really destroys this left-right paradigm and yeah. shows the uh shows you know it's not about cnn versus fox they're two sides of the same coin that are all wrapped up in this big financial uh you know structure yeah. where the elites and the rich don't really care about left and right they just like moving big amounts of money around yeah you skipped a paragraph that i thought would be interesting as well because it says um when you were you know it was going through all the companies that were lobbying Columbia University lobbied on fetal tissue research, a controversial topic for pro-life advocates, while handing an estimated $2.1 million to the president every year. And then Nike, and then also... Blah, 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 blockchain. Blockchain business Ripple Labs weighed in on oh, financial yeah. regulations while handing Trump nearly $1.2 million a year. So all you XRP people out there, I know there's a XRP army that was all stoked about XRP. We received some XRP as a donation, which was uh, awesome, but oh, uh, fun. yeah, there's a, there's some people out there. I think, um, who was it? I think his name's Christopher green from, uh, ah, Chad helped me out. Who's the, what's his, uh, his channel. It's, it's called like, he used to be like a truth kind of guy and he switched mm -hmm. to like, he was like a former banker guy that turned into a truth channel and uh, AMTV. AMTV, I think, is his channel. And now he's okay. doing these uh, XRP to the moon, baby, <laughs> like <laughs> tweets or something. It's like, what in the world is this all about? As right. uh, as XRP, you know, goes down in price over the last <laughs> yeah. few months. But anyway, yeah, just uh, I think that's why I think people have you know known about because a lot of XRP people out there are mm. uh, really stoked about Trump's whole new quantum economic. Thing that's going to replace swift and xrps involved and blah 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 so uh interesting that ripple labs would be mentioned in that whole process there but sorry just decided to uh, mention yeah, no that. that's that's good uh i i actually meant to highlight that and i forgot it um so you know so just real quick to break it down here i see some people in the chat are really triggered that we're reading from a vanity fair article <laughs> that's what we do on this show we take the mainstream news and we analyze it to see how they're manipulating the conversation um okay if you, we don't always just read random you know conspiracy blogs this is useful information 
we're all learning how to read mainstream and dissect the uh, rhetorical trickery in here. But, uh, you know, obviously throughout this article, it's it's very orange man bad. And but you got to admit, if indeed the allegations are true that Trump uh, does receive money from uh, the Qatari government, the Chinese government, the Saudi Arabian government. That's all pretty concerning, as well as, uh, you know, the uh, receiving money directly from companies that he can influence investigations and lobbying and all sorts of stuff like that. The the term, you know, conflict of interest is not a wild term to connect to this. But one of the big points about this, you know, this isn't an orange man bad conversation, at least the conversation we're going to have. What the conversation is, uh, is that he obviously knew what he was doing when he was setting this up, because none of what he's doing is actually technically illegal. Right. Uh, at least as far as the evidence is concerned. Yeah. And the funny thing about this article, you know, is it's specifically about the president and the money and the sort of, you know, I don't know, morally tenuous deals that he has funneling money to himself from other governments and big corporations. But the fact of the matter is that this is what politicians do. You know, this is the Congress and the houses of the Senate houses and everything are filled with uh, men and women who have exact deals like this set up. And the big deal about this is not that, you know, Trump is going to get in trouble because most surely he is not going to get in trouble, Um, but that this is happening all over the place. And it's part of this sort of FinCEN. It's not part of the connected to the story proper, but it's part of the system where you can, you know, yes, there are quote unquote ethics committees and ethics laws, but they're also set up with really convenient loopholes to where any politician uh, can use, you know, private businesses to receive money through foreign governments or other, you know, big lobbying corporations or whatever. And then it's kind of, it's, it's literally only let up left up to speculation whether or not that has any effect on their uh, actions in politics. Yeah. And again, you know, from, from a strictly ethical point of view, it is kind of like, ah, it's shady, you know, but as you said, pretty much every politician, every politician that makes money does this kind of loophole deal with other nations, corporations, whatever it is. It's why Nancy Pelosi is net worth is 120 million, you know, yeah. and from what, from government? No, from, no. from other things, <laughs> right. you know, from things that she does off to the side and her government You're- position allows her to sort of leverage, uh, her, her power and whatnot in different ways. And they're yeah. obviously because of the way everything's set up, there are little loopholes and, um, I think the main word in the in the headline here is the potential conflicts of right. interest. But part of it too, I think the reason why no one's really running with this, and maybe this guy, Dan Alexander, he's sort of waving the flag, you know, Trump, the orange man, bad. Look at what he's doing, these potential conflicts of interest. And, you know, he's violating the Constitution is because one, 
the uh, everybody, every politician has this type of thing that they're doing. Some more nefarious than others, like we just you know reported with the Hunter Biden thing. But also, this type of thing is way more complex. This is like this is like the elite game. You know, if you're if you're in right. the top one percent, this is the kind of financial, political, geopolitical game you play to make money. And so yeah. most of your common normies aren't going to know what the heck is going on with. They're not going to be able to parse this. It's much easier to be like, oh, there's a P tape of Trump. You know, that, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Like it's much easier yeah, for and people. And that goes back to the belly feel, man. Right. Exactly. I mean, this, this type of thing is rampant within American politics. It's not just Trump, but it does include Trump. Like yeah. if, if there's look, we, we love everybody here. If you're a Trump lover, Trump hater, whatever, we're just here to look at the facts, uh, you know, objectively, or even just the narratives, sometimes not the facts, but the narratives, the rhetoric, the facts, the data, everything, and take an objective look and the objective fact of this is of course trump is involved in sketchy stuff because of course every politician is involved (laughs) in sketchy stuff and so you can't sit there and say you know no trump's innocent trump's you know trump's the only politician who doesn't take sketchy money now of course he does but the you know and, and that's just part of stepping outside of the left right paradigm if you're stuck in the paradigm you you're, you're, I mean, the people, I'm not going to name any names, but if you're sitting there and you're getting triggered saying, you know, this is, this is all just orange man, bad nonsense, then you got to take a look at yourself. You might be a little bit too invested in a guy who's just playing the game that, you know, we don't get to play in. Um, but the fact of the matter is this is rampant. You know, it reminds me of Joe Biden's comment from the speech he gave the other day where he, he was mentioning like $450,000. That's more money than I've ever seen. Like, bro, <laughs> yeah, right. What? Shut up. Nobody is believing that yeah. you've never seen $450,000. <laughs> your your son Hunter was getting paid like 50 million a year yeah. by, you know, Ukrainians. <laughs> of course you've seen 450. It's this weird like character especially the democrats that's one of the biggest differences between the democrats and the republicans is democrats pretend to be poor while they're doing the same (laughs) stuff at least the republicans are like yeah i'm rich i'm stoked dude you you get rich too let's make everybody rich the democrats are like we're poor and everyone should be poor you know you know what's really interesting too because i was listening to uh mo facts which is uh, Adam Curry's to check out second podcast. Yeah, and they were kind of looking at the history of the red versus blue. And it's uh-huh. really interesting because some of the things they pointed out was that the uh, the first time they actually reported the difference between red and blue was in like the, I think the 70s when there was enough color TVs in the homes. So yeah. technological, uh, you know, uh, uh, sort of measuring uh, measurement or, you know, a, a vehicle, so to speak, to even have that sort of discussion. Because prior to that, it's like, yeah, Republicans, Democrats. There was no like color association per se, at least publicly. Um, and they were saying that at the beginning, the Republicans were actually labeled blue states or blue regions because red was considered communist. You know, so red was bad, red, bad, bad, bad. And then, right. and everything changed in the year 2000. 2000, that's not that long ago is when the Republicans really took on the red and, and the Democrats blue. And that was part of the, uh, the whole, 
uh, the TV networks doing that. Mm. They ran oh, with it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's a fascinating so, piece of history. Because yeah. now we're stuck in the moment and we're, we all just think red versus blue and all this stuff. But historically, it wasn't like that. And it's really fascinating yeah. to look at the media manipulation that has played a huge hand in the red-blue paradigm, the right-left totally. paradigm. So, yeah. yeah, it was a very interesting conversation there, and they get into a whole bunch of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Trump, you know, Trump is known to be, like, a good business guy. Yeah, of course. So this is just good business. <laughs> he knows, and I think part of the the tax thing where people, oh, he show us your tax returns and all this kind of stuff. Man, right. he he probably has paid so much money to find the loopholes to keep everything as legal as possible that right. even if they released it you any he people wouldn't get will, in trouble he, he won't get in trouble actually. trouble legally but right. people will question the ethics but those are two yeah. different things and that's part of the issue with the entire country is people are are uh people make claims or make accusations based on a moral uh, standard and but then there's right. a whole different discussion if you're going to talk about a legal standard, and they, the two yeah. aren't uh, they're they're not eye to eye, they're just not, and people forget that you know, and so yeah. I think this is a a worthwhile discussion for anybody who's waking up, all the normies out there that or your normie friends to bring up that like hey, you know there is a, a conversation to be had about what laws are being broken, what's constitutionally shady and whatnot. Uh, but it's if you really belly feel, man, ah, but if you're really going to analyze this, then it's going to be tough to really nail down uh, Trump's illegal activities. And, you know, part of it, too, it made me think of uh, Hillary and yeah, maybe very similar, similar. Maybe she has Uranium paid enough one. money to really cover her tracks. And even though on the surface, it's like, oh, my gosh, look at the corruption. It's possible that she's covered her tracks very well. And it makes it very difficult to to bring her down in like a, a public way to, you know, yeah. arrest her and that whole deal. So maybe mm-hmm. that's what's going on as well. But, you know, it's 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 tough because, again, it's like, uh, sorry, continue. No, I was just going to say that it's it's a difference between the moral discussion and the ethic uh, and the law discussion, which right. don't always jive. Like Anionemus, Anionemus <laughs> in the chat said, do what thou wilt shall be the loophole of ah, the law. Very good. Very and existentially good. yours. Didn't yeah. Hillary steal the furniture from the White House? No, see, she was owed. <laughs> she was owed the furniture. Was that Hillary? I thought that was uh, Michelle Obama? Obama that took some pieces from the White House. Um, they all probably take some pieces. I'm sure. Yeah, if you live in the White House for long enough, you're going to take something with you. I'm sure you. Trump is like, <laughs> I like that chair. Give me that chair. That <laughs> chair would launch the new age. Okay. <laughs> all right. So there you go. Just something to keep an eye out. As all of these humongous financial scandals come out, it's not just the bankers. It's not just the criminals. It's also all the politicians. And that's just the way of the world. Yep. You ready for break? Right. Yep. I'm ready. Let's take a real quick break. It's break time. Ah. Ah. Okie dokie, folks. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We've got some updates on the Briona Taylor indictments. We've got uh, some COVID Fauci facts. And, of course, everybody's favorite. We've got a Nephilim update at the end of the show. So stick around for that. But we're going to take a quick break and thank some of our new followers. Thank some of our new producers um, and uh, everything like that. So, Gons, let's first start out by thanking some new Twitch followers. You got your dinger ready. 
I think so. Yep, here it is. He thinks so. He thinks so, folks. All right, coming in and following us newly, newly and bigly on Twitch, we've got Harry Legs Joe. All right, he finally yeah. made it. He finally followed. He heard us talking about his son. He had to tune in, see what we're saying. Next, we've got Rainy Bear. Oh, thank you very much, Rainy Bear. We got more than conquerors. All right, Gonzalo de Basilisk. Ooh. Yeah. Angels, Saints. Awesome. I am Dolly H. Dolly. Layla Darlin, 1221. I think that's a repeat, but thanks for being here. Uh, Nick H, 1980. There we go. That's all of our new Twitch followers. Thank you guys so much for following us over there. Turn on notifications. It's really a great, a great way to tune into the show. Oh, interesting. Uh-oh. Our Twitch or my Twitch thing here said the stream was canceled. Let me reload, make sure it can stay in here. Yep, there we go. Okay, we're still here. Um, and next, I want to talk about and thank some of our new producers of the show. Um, Gons, and it looks like we had one just come in right at the last second. If you want to jump over there and, and grab that, put it on the list. Um, now, here's the thing, folks. We're, we're on the value for value model, much like Trump and uh, Qatar. It's in Saudi Arabia. It's value for value, folks. And what does that mean? What that means is we do not subscribe to the advertising model. And if you've seen the social dilemma, this is, I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad our people are watching it. If you're still on Netflix, you should watch it for no other reason than it will uh, confirm the whole philosophy but behind the fact and the reason why we do not sell advertisements on this show. Advertising is brainwashing. Advertising is one of the most evil systems in the world. It is the reason for all this data collection through social media. It's the reason for uh, you know shows like No Agenda getting kicked off of Spotify. It's oh, the yeah. reason. That's right. I, know. I forgot about that. It's yeah, it's the reason why Joe Rogan had to come out and apologize for simply stating known recorded facts. Okay, when advertisers get involved, you have to stay brand friendly. You can't talk about certain things. You must talk about other things. And oh my goodness, you better not cross that line or else they pull your funding and you are done for. Or you have to come out and make a big apology for, you know, stating obvious facts. Um, so that's why we decided long ago that we uh, do not believe in commoditizing our listeners, turning you listeners into uh, cattle to be loaded up and sold uh, your attention and your trust sold to advertisers for our own personal game. It's a criminal enterprise, folks. And that's why we run on the value for value model, which means we put out the show. We do a pretty good job and we do it as often as we can. And if you get any value out of this show, you have the opportunity to put some value back in. And that's the only way that this whole thing keeps moving, folks. So we want to take Take a second and think, uh, so, you know, real quick, quick comment before I get into it, Guns. Um, you know why I think No Agenda got kicked off of Spotify? Probably because of what he said 
because the they Joe said show. stuff. They said stuff that you're not supposed to say, but there's no advertisers keeping them on Spotify. You know, if Swiffer right. Wetjet was paying Spotify advertising for the No Agenda show, they might have been, you know, not deplatformed. He may have had to come out and make an apology, but it would have kept them on. Spotify has no monetary reason to keep uh, No Agenda on the platform, and that's why they got kicked off, in my opinion. Um, but anyways, let's get into it. If you want to become a producer and support the show financially, you can head to patreon.com slash CCNT. A couple more ways I'll share with you in a moment. Um, but oh, I had one thing I was going to say and I forgot it. So you can head to patreon.com slash CCNT. You're not just a donor. You're not just, you know, uh, a, a charity case we're not a charity case if you pay uh, to help produce the show you are a producer so i'm gonna name some producers for today's show gons are you ready ready first of all we got sola scriptura coming in yeah and they came in with a 33 33.33 $33.33 using the elite messaging number taking it back uh, from the, the from the powers that be. Next, we've got strongholds falling. Thank you, producer. Strongholds falling. Very cool. Now we also have uh, Patreon.com/slash Canary Cry Radio, separate Patreon, but we'll give you credit here. And uh, you know we had a make good last uh, week for producer Caleb, and uh, he came in again and upgraded his support over on uh, Patreon.com slash Canary Cry Radio. So thank you so much, producer Caleb. Uh, you are a treasure, a treasure and a friend. Yeah, thanks, Caleb. Appreciate yeah. the note, too. We uh, received a note from you. Great note. And uh, we're, yeah, we're all good, bro. Um, so next... Uh, here's the thing. A lot of people don't like Patreon and that is okay. You don't have to support us on Patreon because we have canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. You can head over to canarycryradio.com slash support. And uh, we've got PayPal options uh, with, uh, you know, you can make a monthly contribution or a one-time contribution in any amount if commitment's not your thing. There's also cryptocurrency options, all sorts of fun ways to support the show. And Gons, who do we have coming in on PayPal? We, uh, well, first off, wanted to thank all of the producers who have a subscription and uh, mm-hmm. we don't always go through your names because it's a subscription and we'd be here forever if we did that. But we thank you. We appreciate it. And uh, we have a new subscriber, though, a new producer subscriber, Scott. Thank, thank you, Scott. Scott. Producer Scott. Producer Scott. We also, uh, the other day, I think we, uh, this person came in with $33.11. Well, to keep the uh, esoteric nature of the gift uh, or the donations here. Axel came in again, but yeah, this time thanks, producer Axel, uh, I'm going to mention the number just because we usually don't mention the amount, but uh, just because there's a, a symbolic something going on, $11 and 33 cents. Ooh, switching it up, switching it up, switching it yeah. up, Axel. Thank yeah. you very much, producer Axel. He's on an Axel. So, you know, sometimes he, anyway, yeah, he, he uh, and also, <laughs> also thank you to Marsha, 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 Marsha. Thank you, producer Marsha. Marcia. And other ways you can support us is with cryptocurrency, XRP to the moon. 
Woo! And uh, also, uh, I don't think we had anything this time around, but uh, we, we're also looking for knights. We're, I'm sure some people are close to, the, to knighthood or damehood. We haven't yeah. knighted anyone in a while, but it's okay. We'll, we'll figure that out. Let us know. Uh, it's Basil and I running this thing, so uh, we tend to forget or miss things. And, you know, yeah. so, so please help us uh, account. Be, be your own accountant when it comes to this stuff. Because, yeah, uh, you got to help us with accounting. Yeah, that's part of your, your, your duty as a producer. <laughs> uh, yeah. Job description. And uh, we, you can also send us jingles and uh, songs that have, have to do with the show. And uh, we're always excited to hear some of those that come in. Uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're always happy about the art that we get. One art, do, please. Real quick. Uh, yeah. I do want to mention real quick before I forget, I want to give a shout out to Adam on the YouTube chat. Says, I'm considering becoming a producer next month. I feel like I'm stealing because this content is so good. Ooh. Yeah. See, thank you very much, Adam. Not Thou to, shall not, not to steal. Call you out, not to put you on the spot, <laughs> but it was an inspiring, inspiring message. Thank you're, you, Adam. You're breaking the law. By, by stealing. No, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to like guilt trip this guy. Yeah, I'm trying to, he gets, he gets points. Don't, don't tear down my friend, Adam. No, I'm just playing <laughs> all in good fun here. Uh, okay. So the artwork per usual, we have our return, return artists for the show. We start off with Ali's uh, drawing, which is basically a portrait of me. Ooh. And um, I appreciate it. Thank you. I, I look so so clean that's another little, whoa that's a good one i know it's, nice one Allie. i know i got the suit on wow. this one i'm gonna give to the wife and maybe yeah maybe she'll uh, approve of you me. look so respectable i know i know look at you <laughs> know, could, that more, could be like uh you know your your picture on your on your book sleeve yeah instead of a picture of me i'll just put the drawing Gonzo shimura yeah drawn by Allie. Yeah. yeah, drawn by Gasoline Bonds yeah. in the chat. Thank you very much, Allie. Gasoline Bonds Thank in the you. chat, everybody. Yeah, I appreciate this one. It was really cool. Uh, I get the realistic. You know, anytime she draws you, you're like a cartoon with googly eyes. <laughs> no, she draws me. She does a like great a, job with me. <laughs> somebody yeah. in the chat, Metro Gons. Yeah, She's getting really good at uh, those cats, too. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. So yes. I appreciate that. And also, not to be outdone, Mr. Magoo. Oh, Mr. Magoo coming in again. Coming in again. Tiny Basil and Tiny Gons. There's <laughs> a real uh, aesthetic choice he made here. It's called Tiny Basil and Tiny Gons. And that is uh, just exactly what it is. Great job, Mr. Magoo. <laughs> Tiny Basil. I wonder which one's which. Do you uh, know? Can you tell? Nobody will ever know. No, he <laughs> doesn't. Mr. Magoo. He doesn't draw me with the VR mask on, so I can never tell the difference. But that's just a, a testament. You know, he's letting the, uh, as an artist, he's letting the viewer of the art fill in the gaps yes. for us. Yes, he's, he's one yeah. of those artists. Allowing the... Always good for a laugh there, Mr. <laughs> Magoo. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. Always fun. Always great. And uh, also a quick thank you to That Night Win, continuing to put timestamps on the episodes on YouTube. So thank you that night wind. Mm -hmm. And thank I you think very much. That's it for right now. You got anything else? Nope. I think that's it as well. Well, you will uh, save reading some ratings and reviews for Friday. So if you haven't done it yet, leave a rating and a review on Apple podcasts for Canary cry news talk. You can just Google or duck, duck, go or whatever being uh, Canary cry news talk, Apple podcast, 
Your first result should be our Apple Podcast uh, page and leave a rating and a review there, and we'll read it on Friday. All right. Let's, uh, let's wake up. Yeah, wake up. Wake up time. Hey, y'all, wake up. That's right. Okay. What do we got here? Hey, uh, um, before we go on, my uh, mm-hmm. restream is frozen. Oh. And I'm wondering if, uh, I don't know if we're streaming visuals because everything is frozen right now. Uh, Twitch is going. Okay. So we uh, are. Everybody in the chat, if, you, if you're still getting video, just let us know real quick. Um, that might just be a hardware thing for yeah, you guys. Yeah, having issues. All right. Yeah. Well, let's see. What are we talking about now? Oh, yes. Always fun to talk about the, uh, the issues at hand saw, in the world. I saw for a second you had a video up. Did I you want to share that fun video? <laughs> you want to? Okay, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you, we were doing some... Um, this is why we got started a little late. I sent this video to Gons. Uh, one of the one of my favorite pastimes is looking at like worship fails or pastor fails. Um, it just makes me feel very seen, and that uh, the pain that I've felt before being a worship leader or a speaker or something is is not uh, it's not just me. It's other people too. So this one I sent to Gons, and it. It stalled our progress for a while. <laughs> By the way, anytime we're late, we're probably going down some video rabbit trail on some topic <laughs> or something completely unrelated to the show. Right. It seems to happen to us. But this one, I, I did not expect the fail here, but uh, here we go. Oh, it's bad preachers. The reason you lift your hand is because you already believe. You're saying, I believe. You know, and I, we've just given you an opportunity to confess him before men. He sees you, a little guy in the back. Little guy, I'm not a midget, he's a, he's a what? child. I mean, I don't want anyone to think I was offending a midget. <laughs> oh, no. You can't do that. <laughs> Worst altar call ever, I think, is what that video is called. Anyways, just little for guy. some fun. Well, little guy, I don't. I don't Nobody mean thought you were saying that, man. <laughs> what? He was okay. in the spirit. <laughs> yes, you know, yes. he was just flowing. Yes, and you know, you know right. what that is? That's that's our cultural. Well, this is a little older. It's 2013, but it's it, it was starting back then. It's it's that whole uh, don't offend anybody culture, right? You know, yeah. and he probably was like little guy. He was probably like, oh shoot, I think yeah, I'm he probably midgets. just got out of like a diversity training yes. for his mega church or yeah. something. Not even yeah. kidding about that. That's probably yeah. true, and he's probably like, "Oh shoot, yeah, can't offend anybody." We've anyway. seen it. We've seen it firsthand, guys. Should we? Should we do the other one too? Just because it's fun. I like the other one. <laughs> I forget which one. It's the drum one. I don't one. think that one's as good. But the drummer yeah, okay. one. Yeah, just for fun. Okay, the drummer yeah, one's yeah. awesome. Let this is a worship I... worship fail completely. And this <laughs> song too. I know the exact problem. What's that? You go. Oh no, what happened? Here it is. Keep my eyes above the waves. When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace. For I am yours. And you are my <laughs> Yeah, drummer. Listen <laughs> to that double bass. 
<laughs> She's so thrown off. She's so shook by this. Oh. <laughs> okay, we get it, bro. You're good at drums. Okay, we're just wasting this time. This poor now. girl. This poor girl. Oh, man. No, we That's are laughing fun. about it because we've both been uh, worship pastors and I know, or worship leaders at yeah. different times. And uh, I know the exact, I know this exact <laughs> situation. So it was probably a new drummer and they probably only had like one or two practices and it was his first time, but he's really good. He's a really good drummer, but he just like gets up there and she's like, oh no, gets kind of nervous. And then just like, oh, go for it. <laughs> it's my cue. <laughs> Double bass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, okay. I, I've I've had that, and I've had those moments too, where I feel like just going off, you know. And part of worship is like controlling your 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 like abilities and like like kind of simpling it down, you know. Just right. hit some chords. It's like being and, a, a, it's like playing keys in a worship band. It yeah. Doesn't matter what you're, you could be playing for thirty years, but you're you're. Uh, you're hitting like four notes a song. <laughs> no, it's really, it could be really bad, especially these, uh, the, you know, the whole movement with the, the, the type of worship songs that are like, what's that, uh, the group everybody, uh, plays music from. There's a couple different, Hill like the YouTube Hillsong and, and the other one, I forget. Uh, Bethel. Bethel. Yeah. Those two is just all, you know, you two wannabes, you got your whole, your yeah, echo yeah. on the guitar. Yeah, it's all very ambiance. Yeah, ambiance. Anyway, this, yeah, this drummer just of, wasn't uh, having little, it. Little drummer boy jokes going on in the chat. It totally works. <laughs> I kind of want to just play drums for a worship I service just no to do that. gift to being. <laughs> all right. All right. That's uh, all right. top of show Should there. We... Your little. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know where to stick this in. We had to do it. All right, let's get back to the news here. Okay. You want to uh you want to do this? Or you want me to do this? Yeah, for from from little drummer boy to race wars. Race wars. Race wars. Race war. I've warned you and warned you and warned you. We've been warned. CNN.com. Okay. I already hear people triggered in the chat. Yeah. Why are you doing CNN? Ex-officer <laughs> Brett Hankison indicted in connection with Brianna Taylor's death. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they were basically calling a state of emergency over there in Louisville. Um, yeah, it was just, getting nasty. Yeah, even before the announcement, they were already ready to get the, or prevent the, the violence here. Excuse me. Uh, Brett Hankison, the former Louisville police officer who fatally shot Brianna Taylor, has been indicted by a grand jury on three counts of wanton endangerment in the first degree. Mm-hmm. Two other officers involved in the March shooting, Sergeant John Mattingly and uh, Detective, I think, Miles Cosgrove, were not charged following months of demonstrations calling for the arrests of all the officers. The long-awaited uh, long findings of a grand jury probe into the fatal police shootings uh, were to be announced by Kentucky's Attorney General Daniel Cameron Wednesday afternoon. Demonstrators at makeshift m- memorial to Taylor in downtown Louisville called for Cameron to step down after the charges were announced in court and the former's detective's bond was set at $15,000. The announcement comes more than six months after Taylor, a 26-year-old black EMT and aspiring nurse, was shot to death by Louisville police officers in her home. 
The officers broke down the door to her apartment while executing a late night no-knock warrant in a narcotics investigation on March 13th. The grand jury was to present its report to Jefferson County Circuit Judge Annie O'Connell at 1.15 p.m., according to statement from the administrative office of the courts. Cameron's news conference is scheduled for 1.30 p.m. Depending on the grand jury's findings, Cameron's options range from declining to prosecute to charging one or more officers. Louisville has prepared for the possibility of unrest from the decision. For months, protesters have criticized the length of the investigation and demanded the arrests of all officers involved. Anticipating new protests, Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher and Louisville Interim Police Chief Robert Schroeder Wednesday afternoon announced a 72-hour countrywide or countywide curfew starting 9 p.m. Government buildings will be closed. Uh, the Kentucky National Guard has been activated, Schroeder said. Quote, I urge everyone to commit once again to a peaceful, lawful response like we've seen here for the majority of the past several months, Fisher said. Oh, yeah, yeah. It goes into the, the whole thing with the, the death of uh, Taylor, the Say Her Name movements, and uh, compares her to George Floyd. Um, let's see. Uh, Cameron, the first black person to hold the post and a Republican rising star was made a special prosecutor in the case in May, and the FBI opened an investigation as well. A day after the grand jury convened, one officer who fired into Taylor's home, Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly, sent a mass email to the department early Tuesday defending his actions and slamming the city's leadership. In June, Detective Brett uh, Hankison was fired for, quote, wantonly and b- blindly firing into Taylor's apartment. Yeah, Louisville's, yeah, Louisville's police chief said six officers involved in the incident are under internal investigation, LMPD said on Tuesday. Uh, so there you go. That's kind of, I don't think we need to get into any more of the, the CNN report on how, you know, the whole situation here. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a couple things um, highlighted that I, that I would want to run through. Okay. Um, and I think, I think this, so hmm, maybe I'll just do it before we get into a whole convo. So more and more or less, this uh, was stemmed. Now this got kind of mixed in with all the, you know, police are racist and the George Floyd thing and the defund the police and you know it kind of got looped in with that whole thing. But the problem with the case is entirely different and still sort yeah. of problematic. You know, this would be there are some some you know. Uh, serious considerations to make according to the case but this is not a a case of you know the police are racist she didn't get shot because of some sort of racist police officer but uh, let me jump down here and it kind of explains the situation for those who might need a refresher Uh, police believed taylor was home alone when she was in fact accompanied by her boyfriend who was legally armed according to a cnn review of the shooting that miscalculation along with the decision to press forward with a high risk forced entry raid under questionable circumstances contributed to the deadly outcome so remember this was a no-knock raid this was not uh uh, you know, some stopper frisk. This was a, a highly planned event, yeah. um, a strategic planned event in order to, uh, you know, strike a blow to a, a drug cartel, basically. Um, uh, continuing on, Taylor's ex-boyfriend was the actual focus of a narcotics investigation that led officers to execute the warrant on her apartment where no drugs were found. 
Police said a man was shipping drugs to Taylor's apartment to avoid detection of a trafficking ring, according to a police affidavit for a search warrant, which was obtained by CNN. The search warrant authorized police to search Taylor's apartment, two vehicles, and three people, including Taylor, and to seize, among other things, drugs and drug paraphernalia, money, safes, weapons, documents, and computers. The warrant did not specifically connect Taylor to any alleged drug activity, and Taylor's family and their attorney have maintained that she was not involved in her ex-boyfriend's alleged uh, drug trade. Taylor was sleeping next to her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker III, in the early hours of March 13, and when they heard a noise, they both got up and walked to the door. So this is a little bit of a different story from the original story. You know, a lot of the outrage was, they shot her in her sleep. She was sleeping in her bed and got shot right, during this right. thing. So now the story is that they both got up and walked to the door. Quote, she's yelling at the top of her lungs, and I am too at this point. Who is it? Recalled Walker, her boyfriend. No answer, no response, no anything. Walker told investigators when he heard banging at the door, his first thought was that it was Taylor's ex-boyfriend. He was concerned there might be trouble, so he grabbed his gun. And Walker and Taylor made their way down the hallway toward the door. Walker said... Uh, the door flew off its hinges. So I just let off one shot, he said. I still can't see who it is or anything. Camera said, uh, Cameron said Wednesday the officers both, both kicked and announced their presence at the apartment. And uh, a, an account, he insisted, was corroborated by a witness near Taylor's apartment. After the officers used a battering ram to enter, Mattingly was shot in the leg, severing his femoral artery, he told investigators. He and two other officers, Hankison and Cosgrove, then discharged their weapons, according to the CNN Review. Taylor was killed in the barrage of shots from the three officers. Walker, who is unarmed, dialed 911 and told the dispatcher someone had kicked in the door and shot his girlfriend. So, according to this updated report, she was not sleeping in her bed. Uh, she was up and seeing what all the commotion was about just with her boyfriend. And um, here we go. Uh, moving on. Louisville Police Department, Miles Cosgrove, DET. What is Louisville Police DET? Detective? Detective, thank you. Miles Cosgrove fi uh, fired Detective Brett Hankison. Oh, I'm reading a dang. Uh <laughs> Wrong thing. Sorry. Mattingly's attorney, Todd McCurtney, defended his client's conduct. Sergeant Mattingly was following orders of superior officers was not involved in the planning process of the arrest and at all times followed established police procedures, McCurtney, McCurtry said. Walker was arrested and six days later indicted for the attempted murder of a police officer. The Louisville area's top local prosecutor later agreed to have an indictment against Walker dismissed. The chaotic police operation that night was exacerbated by Hankison, who was accused by his own department of blindly firing 10 rounds into Taylor's apartment from an outdoor or patio. Hankison has since been fired and is appealing his termination. His attorney, David Laity, has declined comment. Uh, that's one of the other officers. Schroeder, the interim police chief, wrote in a June letter that Hankison violated standard operating procedure when his, quote, actions displayed an, an extreme indifference to the value of human life when he, quote, wantonly and blindly fired 10 rounds into Taylor's apartment. Some rounds reached an apartment next door, quote, endangering the three lives in that apartment. Schroeder wrote the chief 
called the officer's conduct, quote, a shock to the conscience. The officers were not wearing body cameras, police said. Schroeder wrote that Hankison was disciplined in January 2019 for reckless conduct uh, that injured an innocent person. He gave no other details. Um, And then it goes into some of the lawsuits uh, talking about uh, there may be a $12 million settlement, et cetera, et cetera. But the really interesting story here, and we've talked about it before, but just for a review, I mean, these police officers, like I said, this got wrapped up in the whole police are uh, racist thing. They shot this girl in her bed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but really, it was a no-knock warrant that these three police officers were not, they weren't, they didn't plan it. I mean, they, they they didn't just choose a house to go raid. You know, this was part of a larger investigation, and they just happened to be the guys chosen to execute this warrant. Um, and you know, with some of the shifting idea or shifting facts about where exactly Briona was, again, she wasn't shot while she was sleeping in her bed. She was uh, right there. Now, I can't. Again, I've said before, I can't blame the boyfriend. You know, somebody's banging on your door and they're not answering your your answer. You know, your calls to ask who it is. You're gonna grab your gun, and then when the door flies off the hinges, you're probably gonna. fire a fire a bullet and then it's just unfortunate because again yeah and when you're a cop and somebody shoots at you you're gonna shoot shoot back back. yeah Yeah, this whole situation is just it's it's just sad it's a sad situation but it's even sadder that it's been co-opted by this whole movement as you know racist police when it's just factually there's no evidence to support that yeah I mean, that's kind of the bottom line here that obviously we're not going to get the clarity of that point in the CNN uh, version of this article or the story. But yeah, show me, you know, a a piece of evidence to suggest that they shot because they were black. You know what I mean? Like there's zero, zero, not even close to evidence to suggest that. And then, you know, they have to, people that defend the other side of the argument would have to kind of wiggle around. Well, why was the warrant there in the first place? And blah, blah, yeah. blah. And that's a whole other discussion that it's really just a sad conglomeration of events from you know her having an ex-boyfriend who's wrapped up in a drug ring and uh may or may not you know for some reason the police had reason to suspect that he was having drug packages delivered to her house and uh obviously the fact that um he thought that the boyfriend thought that there would be trouble because the ex-boyfriend was there shows that there's like just really unfortunate circumstances. And then on top of that, you've got, uh, you know, semi-rookie cops and one who admittedly, I mean, I think this charge is, is legit. You know, I don't, you know, I think if you're going to charge somebody for something, it sounds like this cop uh, you know, yeah, I think history. the charge is correct. Wantonly firing into an apartment that he can't see, you know, and just firing 10 shots. It sounds like he's a little bit of a hothead or a little bit of a loose trigger finger. Right. Right. And yeah, I'm trying to find some other resources to maybe find the, uh, the logic or the, you know, what caused the warrant to begin with to the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, there's there's some sources out there saying that it's uh, 
it had to do with uh, a little bit of surveillance of the neighborhood and the car that mm-hmm. that parks or ha- had been traveling back and forth from a, a, a house that was suspected of trafficking and uh, drugs and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be in that sort of world and uh, associate with that, you're you're always in risk of that type, this type of takedown or whatever or encounter, I guess, with the with the police. Um, but yeah, I think the bigger issue here with this cop, yeah, the, indict one cop, uh, you know, wanton Lee shooting. That makes sense. <laughs> wanton. I know it's such a weird wanton wanton Oh, uh, wanton. Okay. All right. Well, um, but I mean, the bigger picture of this is no knock warrants. I yeah. mean, no knock warrants are an insane unconstitutional practice. I know it's pretty I mean, insane. It literally goes against, uh, oh, what is it? The fourth amendment? Oh gosh. I need to brush up on my amendments, but yeah, I mean, you know, no, you know, we're constitutionally protected from literally having cops bust into our house unannounced. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't get the, I'm trying to find more on the, the, the reasons, I guess. I mean, they had to have had some kind of uh, enough information to even conduct that. You know what I mean? Mm. Like what's the logic from the police officer? But anyway, I think all that is a, uh, a, a, you know, a worthy discussion to have regarding this particular issue. But unfortunately that's not how society is going to view it or handle it. They just mm-hmm. want the police officers arrested and executed or whatever. Yeah. And defund the executed. police. I'm, I'm sure people are saying that. I'm not, uh, well, yeah, of course they are. And the, the political and social unrest to follow uh, was expected. And, you know, there was some footage that came out today uh, of a U-Haul truck pulling up to the, the, the peaceful protest area in right. Louisville. And I have the video here for those of you watching. It's literally a U-Haul truck that's parked in this parking lot. And all these people, all these, these guys, people that look like kids, young people running up to it, grabbing these giant signs that say, you know, abolish the police. And uh, there's another one coming out here in a minute. Um, uh, Abolition now, you know, F12, all this kind of stuff. and as soon as they held the signs and they started walking all these photographers and everything, the, you know, CNN or whoever mm-hmm. stood in front of them and, you know, took the footage, you know, made it look like this legit protest, but this looks pretty planned out oh, to yeah, have, to no, have this, these giant signs. It's a supply drop is what it is. <laughs> <know>. Somebody <laughs> had pre-made signs and weapons and all sorts of stuff just pulls up and starts passing them out. I know. And it's crazy that, uh, People don't suspect anything here. Like what's going on? Like why you know, is it so pretty planned? crazy too in this video? I mean, there's people walking around with baseball bats and like ready for <laughs> yeah. violence. It's not even like trying to hide it. I know. It's just I so mean, a girl weird. walks by holding an aluminum baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, yeah, there's hmm. a, there's footage from, I don't know what station this is because it doesn't show exactly, but uh, Cam VTV on Twitter posted a, a picture of a, a, I don't know, maybe a local news report with cameramen and everything standing in front of people, kids holding the signs with the fist in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says here, camera crews and media uh, lined up uh, for a pre-planned propaganda photo op. Nice. Um, yeah, that's 
Of course. I mean, exactly make it look it like there's, you know, crazy protests going on when it seems like somebody, it's like, it's like a video game, you know, you get a drop, <laughs> you just get yeah, like supplies. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a supply so drop, man. I know it's just insanity, but that's, that's kind of the, uh, the, the effect that's taking place. And like I said earlier, I think part of this is also supposed to be the distraction from the Hunter Biden thing. Yeah. You know, like, oh, oh yeah. shoot, Hunter Biden's totally called out. Hey, protest. Back to the protest. Cause, uh, yeah, drop a little Antifa. Yeah. A little Antifa news. Um, just, just for a quick roundup, uh, it looks like the Breonna, Breonna's Taylor's family filed the wrongful death lawsuit yeah. two months after her killing, she claiming won. charges of battery, wrongful death, excessive force, neg- negligence, and gross negligence. The lawsuit asserted that Taylor was shot at least eight times. Announcing the $12 million settlement, Fisher, the Louisville mayor, said the city is not admitting wrongdoing. So they did get $12 million, uh, but it was not an admission of guilt, says the mayor. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing you you get your money. Um, but yeah, not enough, not enough. We need more in this world of propaganda. Well, they got to get rid of the, sorry, (laughs) they got to get rid of those no knock warrants. Not cool. Yeah. All right. Um, what else you got? I was just going to play the propaganda jingle. Do it. State sponsored propaganda machinery. Woo. You did a great tweet about the, uh, Smith month modernization act. I did. Um, yeah. You want to talk about it? Is it related to, to this? Oh, I don't you know, what it was. I just feel like everybody needs to be very familiar with the Smith Munt Modernization Act. As we say, almost every episode, it's the uh, uh, is an old law that was renewed during the Obama administration, making it legal and in fact, uh, praiseworthy for the government to in, uh, push propaganda on the American people. Yes. Propaganda um, that was meant for foreign nations that usually doesn't, it was supposed to be, you know, sort of the CIA of saying like, oh, pro-America or down with America to right. other nations to try to stir things up. Well, now they can use that same information to propagandize to the American people openly. Yeah. And that's, that's been part of the issue here. But uh, yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, what Did was you want to hit about? this Rittenhouse stuff? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we can talk about uh, it. There's we, not much there. It's just the Tucker Carlson clip. Yeah, uh, I don't really and play I think it. everybody on our, you know, listening now is is kind of caught up on that. There was some actually not so exciting new footage that came out um, in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case, which was the 17 year old um, in involved in the shooting in ooh, what was it called? Wakanda. Uh, Wakanda? Kenosha. Kenosha. Kenosha, Wakanda. that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was the Kenosha. And uh, yeah, there was actually just some footage that came out that um, uh, supported the fact that somebody actually shot at or near him um, before he ever fired a round. Right. There was a protester who had shot four shots before him. And so uh, as, as you know, uh, as I've been saying, he's, I am almost a hundred percent. He's going to get off on self-defense. If anything, he's going to, uh, he'll get a slap on the wrist for being 17, uh, carrying a rifle, which you do have to be 18. Um, but that's literally the only law that he broke as far as the evidence is concerned right now. Yeah. The, uh, the Smith Munn modernization tweet was about a story that was 
<laughs> was making the rounds in the 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 liberal left wing uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. and it was a story that was published by Washington Post. CIA quote: We assess that Vladimir Putin and the senior most Russian officials are aware of and probably directing Russia's influence operations aimed at denigrating the former U.S. vice president, supporting the U.S. president, and fueling public discord. No, and, and it's it's so funny because it's it's an opinion piece by Wapo, uh-huh. and then the headline is secret CIA assessment. <laughs> it's just like what in the world? And everyone's Click like, we bait. knew it, we knew it. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, okay, so you the lefties are like down with Bezos the billionaire, but also Washington, and, and down with the the intelligence agencies, but also Washington Post's opinion piece, secret CIA, you know, supports our view of. Orange man bad, so so share it, everybody. <laughs> right. Which which is so funny because you know the the U.S. has meddled with so many elections around the world, and mm. the most guilty party is the CIA. They're like mm. responsible yeah. for meddling oh, with yeah. so we've many elections. Meddling, we've meddled in more elections than there actually have been elections. Yeah, I, I don't know how the, that math works out, but <laughs> it's the, that whole clip of uh, the ex CIA official being asked about it and saying, uh, you know, oh, we don't do that anymore, right? Who was it? The the, the lady on Fox? Uh, I don't remember Yeah, her I name. forget her name. And uh, the guy goes, well, nim, 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 nim. And that's not an exaggeration. If you haven't seen that clip, go That's the literal sound he made. He says, nom, 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 nom. Adam in the chat says, Putin seems cool, which is a funny thing to say. Very funny. Good job, Adam. But there was a moment when I was watching The Social Dilemma where they have this footage of Putin and just the way they like presented it. It's him like walking in the whatever, I don't know what it is, Royal Palace of Russia or whatever they call it, uh, you know, walking down the red carpet with the marble walls oh, yeah. and his uh, Russian guards, you know, he's surrounded by guards. And the footage that they used, I out, I couldn't help myself out loud. I was just like, wow, Putin seems really cool in this footage. <laughs> it's just like the most epic footage of him. Uh, but was he you know. shirtless on a horse too no that oh, okay. is cool too though i mean what, why can't our presidents have like epic uh, uh i'm footage. okay i don't need to see trump shirtless on a horse but oh my it would gosh. be a scene i would i would want i, I would like to Careful. see that for its comedy its oh, yeah. comedic value yeah sure uh, oh my gosh trump <laughs> shirtless riding maybe not, maybe not even a horse maybe like a an ostrich a really an buff ostrich. ostrich. <laughs> there you go. That's uh, next piece of art. You're, yeah, you're feeding the producers inspiration. <laughs> some inspiration <laughs> for the artists. Shirtless Trump on an ostrich in the style of Putin on his big white horse. All right. Let's okay. talk about, uh, let's get some updates on uh, Daddy Fauci. Daddy Fauci. Uh, where's my jingle for that? What happened to it? It's oh here. Oh my gosh. Here it is. Science is truth. No, it's not. That's not scientifically provable. <laughs> All right. This is from uh, news.yahoo.com. Fauci blasts Rand Paul for not listening in COVID-19 <laughs> hearing. Rand Paul. You know, um, we did the 
the Canary Cry Radio interview where I talked to Rand Paul. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I actually just talked uh, today with somebody who was involved in setting that up. So ah. maybe I can uh, get another meeting. Yeah, that was before he, that was after something had happened to him. And then he got, yeah, hit, that's he while got he beat was up with playing, the he, he was toying with the idea of running for president. Ah, it was a long, long time long ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Fauci blasts Rand Paul for not listening in COVID-19 hearing. Dr. Anthony Fauci just blasted Senator Rand Paul <laughs> for repeatedly not listening to health experts during COVID-19 hearing. When Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, testified before the Senate on Wednesday, Paul grilled him about whether he has, quote, any second thoughts about his COVID-19 mitigations and recommendations uh, with Paul questioning the purpose of coronavirus lockdowns, comparing the United States's approach to Sweden's and claiming that quote mitigation efforts have failed to flatten the curve. And that's uh, that it's not possible to alter quote the course of an infectious disease through crowd control. Fauci strongly pushed back against Paul's assertions, telling him it's not appropriate to compare Sweden to the United States and that he doesn't regret recommending physical distancing to slow the spread of COVID-19. When Paul accused Fauci of jumping up and down over New York's handling of the pandemic, despite its high number of deaths, Fauci again shot back saying, quote, you misconstrued that, Senator, and you have done that repeatedly repetitively in the past repetitively wow i just had a crazy brain glitch trying to read that <laughs> sentence paul also claimed that new york has been able to lower its number of covid19 cases due to community immunity another assertion that fauci pushed back against i challenge that i challenge that senator that's fauci not how said. he sounds he F, sounds i challenge that senator <laughs> is that better bebop from Ninja Turtles? What's going on? Okay. I challenge that, Senator Fauci said. This happens with Senator Rand all the time. <laughs> oh, so exasperated. This happens with Senator Rand all the time. You're not listening to what the director of the CDC said, that in New York it's about 22%. If you believe 22% is herd immunity, I believe you're alone in that. Robert Redfield, the director of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, warned in the hearing that, quote, a majority of our nation, more than 90% of the population, remains susceptible to COVID-19. Hmm. I wonder how he gets that number. Uh... Who's not susceptible? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, to, you ch choose, choose, like, have some consistency here. Is everybody susceptible or is it just old people or, and kids? Or is it, I don't get it. Who yeah, are these 10%? The, yeah, who, who are the 10%? 10 we need to talk to these 10% that are magically not susceptible to COVID-19. It's, it's uh, a heated exchange between Dr. Fauci, Senator Rand Paul. You're not listening. Oh, that was a tweet. Somebody did. So, all right. So there you go. Rand, uh, Fauci blasting Rand Paul for <laughs> something. Yeah. I mean, I thought Rand Paul made some, some good points uh, in his little thing there. And then uh, Fauci, of course, lashing back, have to protect the status quo. Uh, but I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. You know, there's a little pushback. These are always entertaining when they're happening. Yeah, it's like and, drama. Uh, it's it is like drama. A political drama. There's it no is. news in here. No. The, the news, this headline should say Fauci and Paul 
were mean to each other or something. I don't know. It's just weird. It's not news at all. There's no no news. Just two guys <laughs> were mean to each other. It's all this is. Uh, I think uh, Ron Paul, his website got taken down or something after this uh, that had to do with some of the the sketchy numbers or questioning some of the numbers with the COVID thing. Uh-huh. So it seems like there's a, a full force attack on the whole Paul yeah. side of uh, the What aisle. a father-son team, these Pauls. I know. Get rid of them. <laughs> Got to get why? rid of them. Defund why? them. You know, here's why I like Rand Paul. He really doesn't make any friends. I kind of feel like... I have that in common with Rand Paul sometimes, <laughs> you know, like on just, one hand, the conservatives love him for his, uh, his COVID-19 responses and kind of trying to tear into Fauci. On the other hand, I forget what it was. He did something to really make conservatives mad a year or two ago where they were calling him a traitor and, uh, they were really trying to take him out. I feel like that sometimes, like I can't make friends with anybody. Oh, you'll be fine. You just got to get rid of those googly <laughs> eyes and people. You'll will... be fine. Yeah. Okay. I see a Trump coup plot trending. You want to see what that's about? Oh, yeah. Let's see what that's about. It's on the fly. Little uh, check on what's happening here. Yeah. Let's see. Trump coup plot <laughs> is getting reported on by media besides the Atlantic, which broke the story. This should be uh, the top story on every network between now and November. With only occasional breaks for other news, this may be the biggest story in U.S. history. Oh my gosh! Vanity Fair, the Trump. Oh, whoa! What is up with Vanity Fair all the, of a sudden? The Trump campaign is reportedly reportedly plotting an election coup to bypass oh. something. Let me see the rest of the headline here. Uh, come on, Vanity Fair, load, load. Wow. Look up who owns Vanity Fair. Because they really did go from like a fashion magazine to. Yeah. Well, the Hive. The Hive side is all political. Yeah. Trump campaign is reportedly plotting an election coup to bypass, with quotes, bypass a Biden win. Oh, is this the thing where he said, I'm going to make an executive order that says Biden can't be president? I don't know. That was such a joke, and people were freaking out about it. Like, come on, guys. It was the worst orange man bad moment ever. Yeah, Trump campaign is, according to The Atlantic, yeah, it's all just like The Atlantic, too. Media. That's another thing. The Atlantic, who who owns The Atlantic again? Is that Bill Gates? Hold on, no, let me look that it's up. it's not Bill Gates. It's new. It was newly purchased by a very was suspicious it? figure. Uh, I don't remember. And that's why it started popping up. I never heard, not heard of, but like I never read anything from the Atlantic. And then suddenly um, the ownership got transferred and uh, I started getting Atlantic articles sent straight to my phone out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. I'm going to look it up. They're probably coming after you. Got a lot of things to look up here. I know. Uh, let me just read the first paragraph. Donald yeah, Trump has been it. throwing everything he's got at the 2020 election to ensure a favorable result or otherwise undermine the outcome, sowing doubt in the legitimacy of mail-in ballots, screwing with the Postal Service that will handle them, trying to recruit law enforcement as poll watchers, flirting with delaying the election and openly stating that he won't accept any results he doesn't like. Now the Trump campaign is said to be considering another, even more outrageous approach. 
in a thorough and deeply disconcerting piece about the constitutional crisis that may await us between November 3rd and the inauguration in January, the Atlantic's Barton Gelman reports that the Trump campaign has been discussing, quote, contingency plans to bypass the election results and appoint local electors in battleground states where, where Republicans hold the legislative majority. Citing the president's baseless claims of fraud, Team Trump could ask GOP-controlled state governments to choose electors, completely ignoring an unfavorable or uncertain popular vote, state and national Republicans told Gelman. Okay, but presidents aren't decided by popular vote. <laughs> so I don't know what this guy's ranting and raving about. Yeah. Uh, I don't know either. Quote, those state legislatures will say, all right, we've been given this constitutional power, a Trump campaign legal advisor explained to the Atlantic. Quote, we don't think the results of our state are accurate, so here's our state of electors that we think properly reflect the results of our state. Does completely ignoring the will of the voters seem anti-democratic? Unconstitutional? Impossible? One would think. But as Gelman points out, however, authoritarian this kind of end-around may seem, the Constitution doesn't forbid such a move, and it's something the Trump campaign could pull off. Oh, okay. Indeed, state Republican leaders have already casually indicated that they'd be all too happy to enable this kind of power grab. Uh, Quote, I've mentioned it to them, and I hope they're thinking about it too. Lawrence Tabas, chairman of the Republican Party in Pennsylvania, one of the swing states, on which the 2020 race could hinge, told Gelman, quote, it is one of the available legal options set forth in the Constitution. So what, what is the deal here? Why, see, this is a problem. Like, you read it, and it's like, okay, all right, it's constitutional, according to even Vanity Fair. It might not be popular, but there you go. But the tweet, the tweet that this guy sent that's got like 2,000, this is a Seth Abramson, is like, break. Breaking news! Biggest story in U.S. history. It's just tr- Twitter, man. Twitter's like they're just so exploding toxic. it, man. They're just exploding it because you got to throw everything at the wall you can. And this, uh, um, yeah. yeah. Lauren Powell Jobs owns the Atlantic. That's okay. uh, Steve Jobs. Steve widow. Jobs. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I remember that now. Yes. Yeah. So she's in the club. Yeah. Um, I'm having a hard time finding info about Vanity Fair. A lot of people wondering. How the heck it went from a fashion magazine to a political thing. Money, uh, money. Yeah. I'll have to, I can't read this on the show. I'll have to figure something out. I'll yeah. keep an eye out for it. Money, money. So anyway, yeah, there's a lot of that stuff going on on Twitter. It's always fun to look at the the triggered tweets. A lot of the, the lib Joes there. <laughs> any, but haven't any you time? heard guns? Haven't you heard? What? Orange man bad. Oh yeah, that's right. Hey, aren't you going to listen to Obama? This is false. He said it. It's false. He said it. You heard it here first, folks. All right. Okay, time to start wrapping it up here. I I think so, too. Give us that Nephilim update. Uh, Where's my jingle? I'm having trouble with my jingles today. We're all having trouble today. A little bit of a longer show today. Is it? Yeah. What happened to my Nephilim update? It was there. Oh, it was, come on, it was here and it's disappeared. Here it is. Come on. This is a movieweb.com. New Hellstrom trailer unleashes Marvel Marvel's demons on Hulu in time for Halloween. We have a new full-length trailer for Marvel's Hellstrom. Uh, 
A teaser had previously been revealed during Comic-Con at home, but this provides a much better look at the live-action series, which will bring Damon Hellstrom, a.k.a. the Son of Satan, a.k.a. Hellstorm. Oh, jeez. Was it Hellstorm or Hellstrom? That was Hellstrom. Yeah. I don't know, man. This is your story. There's a typo in here, buddy. man. I don't know. There's a typo. Typo. Got him. A.K.A. Hellstrom to Hulu this fall. It's a long time coming. And in the, the trailer... It has uh, uh, you know, some ominous music or whatever. I'm not going to play it, but uh, uh, we've been fighting and keeping track of different things that move in and out of this world. Ooh. And it shows this, this skeleton. There's like a giant skeleton with like a missing eye, like a single eye. Ooh, and that looks I, super Nephilim-y. I feel you, Nephilim. Yeah. And, Sometimes uh, my eyes fall off too. Yeah. And it says... Uh, uh, the most dangerous ones we find, uh, we find a way to contain. This is one of the worst ever. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, cool. it's a pretty, pretty freaky Halloween-ish looking thing. But yeah, the son of Satan coming to Hulu. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> coming to Hulu this summer. This no, fall. this, this fall. Got Halloween. It. Sorry. It's almost Halloween season. Yeah. Get ready for the spooky stuff. Hallow's Eve. Yep. So there you go. Oh, we, uh, okay, there we go, Guns. Good job. We made it. Longer show today. We we Good. deserve we deserve a lemonade. Um, so <laughs> there you go. A shirtless Putin, not an ostrich. <laughs> no, Trump. Oh, Trump. Trump sorry. on the ostrich. <laughs> Trump, maybe Putin, like, same thing. You didn't know this? Maybe holding like an AR-15 or something. I don't know. Just get creative with it, artists. <laughs> All right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. That just about wraps it up for us today. Uh, we appreciate you being here from all over the web. YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, wherever you're watching, you are loved. But remember, go to twitch.com tv slash canary cry radio follow us there turn on notifications for a shout out and remember uh if you've been sitting there you've been uh listening or watching maybe you're live maybe you're listening in later in the day on the podcast version maybe you're watching the video a few you know a couple days later uh if you get any value out of the show please consider becoming a, a supporter, a, a producer of the show because this, this is real life, baby. This ain't no charity case. If you help support the show, you are a producer. We're on the value for value model, which means uh, we are not under the thumb of the advertising behemoth. We do not, uh, you know, consider you people a commodity, you people, a <laughs> commodity to be sold and traded like literally almost every other business on uh, on the internet i mean not just social media but news outlets uh, cable tv everything all they're trying to do is get as many people watching as they can so they can sell those people to advertisers and that is just wrong it's just wrong so please if you uh, think that's wrong too consider supporting the show in whatever it's worth to you you know we have suggested amounts on the Patreon, but really, it's whatever the show is worth to you. Consider giving back because it's the only way we can keep going. And uh, you know what? You start investing uh, in in your media. You know, I don't know. I did a little bit of a snarky tweet uh, calling out the sheeple. You know, oh, I want advertisers to pay my 
podcasters because I don't want uh, responsibility for the media that uh, shapes my worldview. Well, that's what sheep will say, folks. So <laughs> thank you very much for our new producers. Let's see. Let me grab their names real quick. I want to thank you, Sola Scriptura, Strongholds Falling, Caleb, Marsha, Axel, Scott. <coughs> And of course, our artists, Allie and Mr. Magoo. Thank you guys so much. Remember, become a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash ccnt or canarycryradio.com slash support. Canarycryradio.com slash support. That's right. And, you know, if the financially supporting the show is not in the cards for you, that's totally cool. We totally understand. But uh, you can also help out the show by creating art, creating jingles. Send all that to canarycryradio uh, at gmail.com. And you can create uh, songs, right? Some Canary Cry related songs. we got the Canary Cry mixtape coming up at the end of the show. Make sure to stick around for that. Also, if you haven't done it yet, leave a rating and a review. Just search Canary Cry News Talk Apple podcasts that'll take you right to where you need to go leave a rating and a review not only does it help out the algorithms and share the show with people who haven't heard of it before which is super important um, but it's also just feels nice when we read them Gons and I we read all the reviews um, so it's a good way to just get a nice little message of encouragement across to us so we appreciate that very much and we'll be reading uh, new ratings and reviews on Facebook Friday's show. That's next Friday, not next Friday, this coming Friday, which is September 25th. 2020 so make sure to tune in then sometime between noon and 3 p.m pacific standard time set your alarms turn on notifications catch the next show um i think that's about it so you know another great way to help out the show is to simply just share it with people you know you know people who are starting to wake up i mean especially with all this fincen news and all the uh, uh government and corporate corruption going on around the world this is going to continue to be a huge story moving into uh you know our near future here so your people are going to start waking up so consider sending them uh, an episode and it, it's a a great way to say I told you so you know because you know it's going to be a couple months maybe in the new year there your friends are going to start freaking out about FinCEN and you get to say I knew about this months ago I can't believe you're just catching up and uh, anyways if you want to help wake them up or uh, give them a solid uh, foundation for moving into the life of knowing that the world is not what it seems go ahead and just send them an episode one of your favorite episodes and and uh, we appreciate that very much. Maybe they uh, give them a shout out or something. Let us know if you share the show with somebody who listens and we'll do that. And if you need any other instructions, here's what you do. You just walk right up to them. You grab them by the cage and then you shake it. The end of the world occurred pretty much as we had predicted. I want to shake things up, stir up some controversy, rattle a few cages. Hey, stop that. Don't ever silence me. I'm the last angry man, a crusader for the little guy. The human race will have every opportunity to improve. And if they don't? Ask Noah. That's right, just ask Noah. Okay, everybody, remember, we'll be back on Friday, September 25th, 
sometime between noon and 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Follow us at twitch.tv slash canarycryradio. We'll put the link in the in the uh, chat there for those of you uh, who haven't followed us there. Remember, it's good to follow us on multiple platforms. Turn on notifications because you never know when YouTube's going to decide to not send out the notification. It happens, folks. Happens more than you'd think. So thank you very much for that. We will see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to this episode of Canary Cry News Talk. Make sure to tune in next time. But until then, think outside the cage. Canary in the coal mine. I want to rattle a few cages. I want to rattle a few cages. I'm the last angry man. You'll never silence me. I'm the last angry man. Oh, 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 I I'm it. the last angry man. You'll never silence I'm me. I'm the last angry man. A crusader for the little guy. Little guy. Little guy. Well, we'll see about that. Whatever, Illuminati.
the archives and find out what I told you. I tell you something. People call me everything under the sun, accuse me of lying and everything else. I try to give you a heads up. I warn you. And then months later, when I'm right, everybody forgets. I, I said this months ago. I said this months ago. I tried to tell y'all this is what was happening. I tried to tell you. Heads are going to roll. I tried to tell you. It's chaos. It's a mess. I tried to tell you. And nobody wanted to listen. Do y'all hear me now? Is it clear? I tried to tell y'all it's getting ugly. It's a mess. I tried to tell y'all. I tried to tell you. Nobody wanted to listen. And now you see folks scurrying. I mean, my I tried to tell you. You know how many times I'll say something months in advance and then it comes to, to, to fruition and then y'all forget I reported. See, they're going to have breaking news like it's news. You know what the news was today? I tried to tell you. But nobody wanted to listen. In the future, humans will be confined in a people's zoo. People, I'll keep you safe and Keep the cameras on